What's up, guys? Welcome back to the 3 of 7 podcast. Look, you just got to listen to today's interview with Stacy to understand the depth of the conversation that we had surrounding faith, testimony, church, the gospel. We cover a lot of topics. Look, I can't sum it up for you right here. All I can say is listen to this thing and take it for what it is and go follow Stacy on Instagram. His handle's in the show notes of this episode. All right. Hey, we got a new episode. Well, not a new. This is a new episode. We've got a new sponsor for the 307 podcast that I'm really excited about. This new sponsor is called Wazoo Survival Gear. I have been using Wazoo products now for probably uh, a year and a half, two years. We use them out on the basic course. Uh, we wear their products every day. We have known this company and the owners of this company for quite a while. So what I'm going to do here, I'm going to walk you guys. I, I'll be, I'll be talking to you about Wazoo over the next few weeks on the podcast. I'm going to walk you through the different products from Wazoo that I use. All right, first one, today's product is the cash cap. I wear a cash cap every day. If you've ever seen me wearing a light brown or tan ball cap that looks like it's got about 10,000 miles on it, that is a cash cap. Um, <clears throat> so what is a cash cap from Wazoo Survival? Uh, Wazoo Survival. All right, it looks like your everyday baseball cap, but what you don't see is that on the inside of this cash cap, this hat, there are six, yeah, six hidden pockets. The six pockets include three in the main dome of the hat, one hook and loop closure located in the middle of the brim, and two narrow slot pockets on the brim. These allow you to store a multitude of items in your cap. Of course, we suggest the emergency items that we, Wazoo, has designed for it. Now, Wazoo actually makes kits of emergency items that you that are that are actually designed to stow in this cash cap. You just got to check it out. It's 100% unique. Look, you're going to love this stuff. Go check them out. WazooSurvivalGear.com That's W-A-Z-O-O Whiskey, Alpha, Zulu, Oscar, Oscar, SurvivalGear.com they have given us a pro code. Pro code is just three of seven. The number three of the number seven, all caps. That'll give you 20% off any product from Wazoo Survival Gear. Hey, this is you won't find this anywhere else. Wazoo makes high-quality products. They don't put their stuff on sale. You won't find their stuff like discounted. They when, when they came on board to sponsor the 3 of 7 podcast, they said, hey, we've got this affiliate program. Look, we can give the customer 10%, and then you get a 10% cut on all the purchases that are made using your pro code. I said, no, just give the whole 20% to the customer. All right? Because I get my reward from you guys tuning into this podcast. That's my return on investment. You guys have tuned into this podcast. You hear about Wazoo. You go and support the companies that support this podcast. That's that's my reward. So I chosen, told them just give you guys the whole, and, and they're like, well, there's nowhere else you can get our products at 20% off. 
except for right here on the 3 of 7 podcast. I'll attach our link to Wazoo Survival Gear along with the pro code in the show notes of this episode. Go check out the cash cap. Next week, I'll go over a different item. Maybe the Bushcraft necklace. One of my favorites. All right. That's enough housekeeping. Hey, here's Stacy. Hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. First of all, Stacy, welcome to the 307 Podcast. I, man, I appreciate you having the courage to show up and to do this, man, because, I mean, you just had some some dude, some random dude with a long red beard hit you up on Instagram and say, hey, brother, would you be willing? We've actually been going back and forth for a little while. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. but I, you know, it, it takes a lot of courage for you to have a stranger reach out and you say, yeah, man, I'll be there. I'm down like four flat tires, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah, that's and, – and, and it, it is intimidating. I ain't going to lie. You know, it's intimidating from from the viewpoint of who you're, who you're setting with, you know, because uh, I feel like I'm, you know, not worthy to even be here a lot of times in places, you know. And I've always had that that mentality, and it's a good thing and a bad thing. I know I'm a child of God. I know I'm a child of the King. But there's times where I go into a room, and I'm thinking, what am I doing here, you know? And so it was like, you know, when I got invited down, uh, Otis Nixon was calling me his pastor, which is a former brave. He said, you're my pastor. And so he invited me down to his little golf tournament, and I'm in the room with, like, Chipper Jones and all these big-name people, and I'm thinking, what am I doing here? You know, I'm a mm-hmm. nobody. I mean, I'm from Red Bud. You know, and nobody knows who I am, but, you know, besides heaven, you know, they know who I am. And it was, it was crazy, you know, and, and I'd have people ask me like, what are you doing here? I mean, Kevin Willis, who played for the Hawks, he's like, what, who, what did you do? And I, and I had a beard like yours at the time. My beard was super long. Yeah. And he said, are you on the duck guys? And I'm like, what? He said, are you on the duck dynasty guys? I said, no, I said, I'm, I'm just here because Otis asked me to come. Mm-hmm. And so it's, 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 that's intimidating coming into an environment, you know, and, and really, my background is, you know, my grandfather was a World War II veteran, and I've always been super patriotic and super supportive of the military. And, and you know, seeing um, a lot of my friends struggle with PTSD and things like that, trying to reach them with the gospel and tell them about Jesus, give them hope, you know, where there's no hope. Um, it's just been always been one of my passions to do, you know, because I saw my grandfather who, who stormed the beach. Well, he was one of my heroes. You know, he was one of my major heroes in life. He was a Christian, and— um, and so in World War II, he, they stormed the beach of Omaha, and he wouldn't talk about it. You know, anybody that I've learned over the years, anybody who's ever been in, like, a major combat, don't talk about it at all. He would not talk about it. He just he would tell in his testimony, he said, this is, I'm just going to tell you this much. He said, you know, I, I should have died over there. He said, because if it wasn't for my sergeant who, who, who threw himself on a grenade, he said, I would have died. And so he said, I come back with a purple heart, and he didn't come back at all. Mm-hmm. You know, and so he said, when I came back, I gave my life to Jesus. He said, right out of the, he said, right as soon as I got home, he said, I gave my life to Jesus. I married your grandmother. We were baptized. And he said, we started, you know, our, our family. And he said, you know, and he was the true, he was a deacon for like 50 years. And he was the true example of what a deacon, I think, the scriptures say should be. He was a servant. He never wanted power. Yeah. He was humble. He, I mean, he served the Lord privately. You know, you would never know what he was doing because it was always privately. He never wanted any recognition. I mean, he really taught me. He was like a mentor to me, and so uh, in that aspect, that's amazing, brother. And yeah. you know, uh, that that to me is the definition of a Christian. 
All right, we're going to talk about church <clears throat> here in just a little bit, but the definition to me it, my, my, of, of a, you call yourself a Christian, all it is is a servant of Christ. Yeah, exactly. It don't, it don't mean, it don't mean you're, at, you're at church every Sunday. It doesn't mean you eat certain foods. It doesn't mean you subscribe to any certain list of rules. It means you are a servant of Christ. That, to me, is the foundation of everything in in my relationship with my creator, man. So yeah, that exactly. resonates with me tremendously. Uh, you guys listening to this, you probably don't know who Stacy is. You should know who Stacy is because the reason I asked Stacy to come and sit down and have fellowship, not only with me, but also with you guys is because of his Instagram. Now I found, I think Stacy found me and I started following him and the one thing, the one word that comes to mind, I guess on the t- at the top of the list, when I think about Stacy is consistency. And Stacy, I don't know if that's been a common thread throughout your life. I think that's a huge strength of yours, man. Mm-hmm. Because I'm watching you from the outside, and you just keep showing up, and you show up with a simple awesome easy easily understood message day after day you put a lot of work into the daily devotions that you do into making it i like watching them because it's cool the way you set it up you got your dog there a lot of times you you know you got your camo on you out in front of the truck you put a lot of work into it it's quality content and you just keep showing up with a solid message man and i thought man this guy's consistent. He's going somewhere. That's one of the most important ingredients in life to get you somewhere. Mm. Keep showing up. It don't matter. It don't matter if you don't have but 10 people watching in the beginning. If you keep showing up, that's the way to really make the impact, man. So I loved that about you watching you over the last few months. Stacy's a pastor. He's a man of God, follower of Jesus Christ. He's a husband, a father. He's a hunter. Speaking of, we had a pretty good hunt this morning, didn't we? Hey, it wasn't bad. It's never bad when you're in the woods. <laughs> never bad. Yeah. So I watched a squirrel this morning. I didn't see any deer. Stacy actually saw some deer. <clears throat> I watched a squirrel go up and down a tree and pack his little hole in the tree with leaves all morning. Wow. He knew the rain. He knew that front was coming, right? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he knew that. He know, he knows that we got harsher times coming. You know what I mean? And That's so he's it. He's preparing. God has put into his little his little squirrel brain to prepare for what's to come. You know, and I think that's the whole. You know, we talk about the whole consistency thing with me is that um, you know when I when I gave my life to Christ right out of high school, uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. You know, my dad I told you was an atheist and he didn't believe in God and. A lot of times he would run preachers and, and people off from the church and just make fun of them. And then, you know, because he was, he thought, was more intelligent than most of them. And so he knew enough scripture to get them just so turned around that they would leave our house with their heads down. And so, um, you know, not growing up in a Christian home, you know, um, I didn't have the privileges of knowing. But so when I came to Christ, I walked into a little church. I'll never forget walking into this little church and looking around and thinking, I don't want what they have. I want the real thing. And I'm not saying they didn't have the real thing, you know, and I'm not trying to be a fruit, you know, inspector or whatever. 
But I was like, you know, I want the real deal. I want to, I want to know you. And so I struggled with that uh, for a while, and I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't really understand Christianity, you know, and so I just, I just, I'd heard John three sixteen a million times, and you know, my mom would write it on like stuff because she was. I tell folks, my mom was a part time Christian, mm-hmm. you know. She she went to church part of the time, like Easter and Christmas, and so, but most of the times she wouldn't go. I never seen her read her Bible or anything like that until she got her life right, and it was later on, like in ninety two or ninety three, she got her life right, and so she began to try to witness to me and my brother and my dad. And so I guess the first one that she really got a hold of was me, and she just put John three sixteen and everything that I was, you know, carrying around. And so um, it just hit me real hard. You know, I'd, I'd heard the gospel and I'd heard the gospel, and um, one day I just I just broke I just broke down. I mean, I just God just really got a hold of me and and uh, radically changed my life. And I was like, I don't want you know. I'd heard people talk about, well, I got saved when I was nine, or I gave my life to Jesus when I was seven. And never seen any, fr- never seen anything come out of it. You know, no yeah. fruit, no realness. And I thought, is that what Christianity is all about? Is it going to a church building and just sitting on Sunday and saying, "Well, I've been to church. I'm a Christian." I don't think that's what the Bible teaches us mm-hmm. or shows us. You know, and so it's an everyday thing. You know, Paul says, "I have to die daily," and my life verse has always been Galatians two twenty, where he says, "You know, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ live within me. And the power that which I live, I now live." by the Son of God. And so I knew that I couldn't live this life. There's no way. I was a failure, I thought, in a lot of ways, and I needed help. So it was an everyday dependency on, you know, the Holy Spirit and Jesus to live this life. And so it's been something that, you know, every day I have to die daily, you know, because yep. my flesh, I mean, I tell folks, I mean, you look at me, my flesh, you know, it, it falls every day. And so I have to um, you know, to be a follower of Christ is not just a servant. He said, you know, and I think it was Matthew, he said, you know, if anyone desires to come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me daily. And so, you know, and that's not an easy thing. You you can either be a fan or a follower of Jesus, and I just didn't want to be a fan. You know, yeah. I just didn't want to ha- say, well, I got saved, and I have that assurance, uh, you know, but I did this 10 years ago. And, um, and so I, I was thinking about that, thinking about you as I was sitting in that deer stand this morning. I thought, you know, um, I'm sure you're familiar with this term, stolen valor, you know, and especially being in your background, and I'm sure that kind of fires anybody up that's in the military to see somebody go out and pretend to be something for the benefits. Yeah. For the yep. benefits of it, you know, and that's the whole thing. They're doing it for the benefits of it and the recognition. They're like, who, look, look at me, look who I am, you know, and they'll wear the fake uniforms and they'll wear the fake suits and they know the terminology. They know like what ranks they are and, yep. And usually how they're caught is because they put a patch on their sleeve wrong, you know, or mm-hmm. something. And somebody will call them out and say, hey, you know. And so that's the same way with Christianity. There's so many people, and I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't mm-hmm. want to be that guy that was a fake, you know, that was a phony. And people would see past that and say, hey, you know, you got your, your, your patches on the wrong sleeve or on the wrong shoulder, you know. And I wanted to be the real deal. You that's know? solid, man. That's solid. And I want to dig into that story a little bit, Stacy, or however deep you want to go in. Uh, when you when you did get saved, I want to dig into your testimony, basically. And for everybody listening <clears throat> to this testimony, just it's, what is a testimony to you, Stacy? Because I, I think that people see that as a religious word, but I think it's an important word for every servant of Christ to understand what their testimony is. 
it's basically just, you know, summing up, you know, your life story, you know, and as we were talking about this morning before we went hunting, you know, everybody's given a birth date and everybody's given a death date. And I've been there when they've signed those death certificates and I've seen that happen with doctors as a chaplain. I've seen that. And so a lot of people don't take notice when they go to a graveyard, there's a little small dash between both of those dates. And so your testimony is kind of summed up in that little dash you know, what did you represent? What did you live for? You know, where were you at when, before you met Christ and where were you at when you met Christ and how has your life been since you met Christ, you know? And so that, that's to me is what a testimony is, you know, sharing your story, you know, and that's why I think I was drawn to you is because your story. I thought, man, this guy, you know, knowing your background, knowing where you've come from, I'm thinking this guy's the real deal. I mean, I mean, you just, you know, nonchalantly said, Hey, this is, I remember you holding your Bible. This is where I stand. And you was just, you know, yeah. you were preaching. You said, well, I'm not a preacher, but man, you were, you know, you were bringing it. And I thought that's, that's the people I'm drawn to. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's the ones, um, because I have seen, I have been fooled over the years. So fooled, uh, by people who, who claim to know Jesus and profess them with their lips, but have no, no signs of real, you know, transformation in their life. Yep. Yep. And so, you know, you, man, you talk about transformation when you can really when you can grasp the fact that you can't die you literally have been given the gift of eternal life through Jesus's death and resurrection when you grasp that you talk about transformation mm. It changes. It's going to, if you can really grasp that, you cannot die. It's going to change everything about the way you live your life and about how you spend your time and about the things that are important and the things that are not important. Exactly. Buddy, it changes the perspective, man. Um, it, now, going back to when you met Jesus. Where where were you at, man? What prompted well, that I, moment? And here's it's crazy and you know, um a lot of people who knew me back in my high school days and like even going into my college days, you know, and they just knew my life. I mean, my dad was an alcoholic, my grandpa was an alcoholic, you know, uh, my grandfather, my actually my dad when my dad was 9 years old, this is what really uh pushed his religious beliefs or his atheism. When my dad was nine, he walked in and found his dad had killed himself. He'd shot himself. And so he said, you know, for a nine-year-old to see their daddy, you know, laying in blood or dead, you know, he said, it, it just messed me up. He said, it really messed me up. And so, you know, that, that brought on that for him. And so I had lived, man, I made a profession of faith. That's why I say stolen valor. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I had made a profession of faith when I was like 11 years old. I went to a church service. The guy was talking about hell. I was scared. Didn't want to go there. I mean, nobody wants to go there. You know, you think about it. If it's Jesus spoke more about hell than he did heaven, and like, I don't want to go there. So, yeah, the guy asked me, he said, do you want to go to hell? No, I don't want to go to hell. I mean, no. He said, well, pray, you know, pray with me. And, of course, I prayed. I didn't know what I was praying, didn't know what I was saying. And, you know, um, and just lived. I mean, I live like the the worst sinner you ever met in your life all the way I, mean, I started drinking when I was 13 um you know because my dad encouraged it almost you know but started drinking when I was 13 and and was drinking at school and partying like crazy you know and, and but in the back of my mind Chad I'd always think well I prayed that I prayed you know I got I gave my life to Jesus when I was 11 
And so, uh, but I didn't, you know, then I struggled with that fact too, because I didn't have any discipleship at home. And I thought, well, maybe I'm just a prodigal. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe I just don't know how to live this life. And I just, you know, I just went back to sin. But I mean, I'd sinned. I mean, I, I was probably one of the best sinners in school. I always tell folks, you know, I love to fight, love to get, you know, I almost died uh, with alcohol poisoning. Um, and so, um, you know, and there's this one day I was, my mom, I got to go back to her. She had, she had wrote John three sixteen on something and then handed it to me. I was going to go to Atlanta that night. We were going to go and we we're supposed to go and, you know, party and have fun and all that stuff down at, some of my friends were at Southern Polytech. And so I went down with them, had a 79 full-size Bronco. I think it was sick. And so I uh, drove it down to Atlanta and I was sitting there and I pulled that little piece of paper out and it was John three sixteen, And I looked at it and I don't know, man, something hit me so hard. And I just began, I mean, conviction, I guess it was what it was, was conviction hit me so hard as I was sitting there at a Hooters. And I thought, man, you know, God, what is, what's going on? You know, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I mean, I thought I was having anxiety or heart attack at 19. I was like, man, there's something crazy going on. And so um, I, I tell my buddies, like, I just got to go home. I said, I got to leave. I got to get out of here. And we're just getting started. You know, that's like, well, you know, yeah, go get whatever, what you, whatever you got to do. And so I drive back home, and I realize I'm just thinking it's just me and God all the way back home. I'm thinking, I'm thinking about John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, uh, that whosoever, you know, and that's where me and you fit in was that whosoever. I wasn't reading that. I wasn't even thinking that. I was thinking my name, for God so loved the world that he gave his son that Stacy, if Stacy would believe, mm. he'd have eternal life. And so that convicted me, and, and to say that it stopped there – it would be an understatement because I went for weeks under conviction thinking, God, I'd go back to that 11-year-old boy making that lip profession. And I said, God, you know, if I, if I, if I were truly saved, would I have done that? Would I have been living the way, I mean, rebellion and just, I mean, horrible stuff, you know? And, and so I just, that, that whole week is a week-long process. I just begged Jesus. I mean, it's kind of like the Apostle Paul when he's seen the Lord on the road to Damascus, you know, he went off for a while and had to get himself like, you know, he, he stayed, he stayed to himself for a while blinded. And so, you know, and he had to get some, I just prayed that whole week. I was like, God, please, if I'm not who I say that I am, if I'm not true to what your word says that I am, change me. And so I went through a whole week of contrition, just crying and searching the word, you know, getting in the word and, and my appetite changed. Kind of like what I mean you talked about, man, my, my, my sight changed. I mean, I couldn't see TV the same way. I couldn't see things around me the same way. Something radically changed. And so that's what I told my mom. She said, well, I thought you got saved back in 87. And I was like, no. She said, she said well, what happened? I said, mom, I said, I just didn't want to go to hell. I'll just be honest with you. And she said, well, what happened different from this time? I said, the Holy Spirit let me see who I really was. Yeah. And, and that conviction alone changed my life. I mean, it's changed my life, and it, it's something that I couldn't get away from. You know what I mean? It, I mean, I, I didn't want to get away from it, but I just couldn't get away. Everywhere I went, I mean, it, he was right there. And, and, you know, that's one of my friends a couple of days ago. I saw one of my friends at the, at the store, and he said, Stacy, he said, I can't believe that you've been doing this for this long. He said, I thought for sure that you would be in it for a little bit and get out. He said, because I just thought for sure that, you know, you got religion. And I said, no, man. I said, Jesus Christ changed my life. I mean, he radically changed my life. And he's become my best friend, you know. And, and there's times in ministry where it's so lonely that he's the only thing I have. Not many people want to hang out with a pastor. I, mean, I hate to say that. But, yeah. You know, so I thought it was pretty cool that a former SEAL said, hey, you want to come hang out? And I'm like, you know, heck, yeah, I'm down like four flat tires. Let's do it, you know. And 
you can't threaten me with a good time. And so, um, but that started the process. I mean, um, right away, my pastor seen that I was on fire for God. And if you're in a little church and they find somebody that's on fire for God, they're going to throw you into a Sunday school class and want you to teach Sunday school. Well, I didn't know how to do Christianity. I just wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. Yep. Because the Bible says that, you know, it's not God's will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And so I went everywhere. I mean, I went to bike tracks. I went to football games. Everywhere I could find people, I was telling people about Jesus. And so the pastor put me in this little class. He said, okay, teach the class. And so um, it was three teenagers in there. And so I said, man, this, you know, which three is good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's this person. I'm not about numbers. But I went out and just started spreading the gospel. I, I mean, to everybody I've seen. I mean, I'd stand behind the Burger Burger King sign where they're ordering their food. And when somebody said, hey, you know, I want a Whopper, I'd jump out and say, no, you need Jesus. You know, I was that crazy guy. And um, I went to town. I mean, back when, I don't know if you're, if you're old enough to know this, but back when they used to be cruising, people would cruise town in their cars. Yeah. And so that was a ministry for me. I'd pick people up who says, hey, I need a, I need a designated driver. I'd be like, I'd do that. Yeah, come on, get in here. And so I get in there, man. It was just a, it was a gospel trap. I mean, they get in there and they're going to hear about Jesus for, because they knew who I were. They knew who I was. They knew I was a partier. And I had led so many people to Jesus in my truck because they get in there and they'd be like, hey, you want, you want some beer or you want this or you want some, you know, you want some weed or whatever. And I'm like, no, man, you know, I said, well, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Why are you so happy? And I said, let me tell you why I'm so happy. Because the Apostle Paul taught me a lot about this. He's, anywhere Paul went, if he stood before kings, he stood before King Agrippa, and they were saying, okay, Paul, we find you guilty of this and this and this. Paul said, well, wait a minute. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you about when I met Jesus. And he'd always share that gospel. You know what I mean? Right? And That's so, it, man. The so, secret of contentment, man. Yeah, yeah, and he was so content, you know. And and that, it's just been my heart for all these years. And so um, – I grew up in North Georgia. I grew up hunting these hills, grew up hunting these woods and have a passion for hunting. You know, that's been my passion since I was a little boy. And uh, anywhere I've moved, I've always tried to find a place to hunt. And, um, and so I thought, God, you know, I know, the, I know the demographics of this area. I know there's people who love to hunt. And, you know, and you came to save all people. And, you know, and there's people who are millionaires that hunt. And there's people who can't, you know, who can't afford to pay their next bill who love to hunt. And I said, God, I want to reach all people. I don't care what I don't care the demographics. I don't care, you know, their social, you know, economic background. I want to reach them with the gospel. So give me a platform. And so that's that's where the devotions come from, mm-hmm. you know. And um, God's using those in a mighty mighty way. And I never thought He would, you know, because I mean, I'm sitting here today and I'm thinking, wow, you know, I don't deserve to be here. And it's it's all been Him, you know. It's been Him working through things like that. My whole ministry. And, um, you know, I've got a passion for the homeless. I love homeless people. And so, you know, Jesus said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you know, you visited me. When I was in prison, you came to me. And then they asked Jesus, you know, in judgment, on that judgment day, when did we do these things? He said, when you done them to the least of these of of mine, you done them to me. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that's always been my heart is to do Jesus stuff. And so I'll hashtag a lot of times if you look at my hashtags, it'll say Jesus stuff. And it's not to give me glory because I'm nobody, but it's to make him known, make him famous, yeah, and to tell him. So tell us about him. Well, you know that I hope I hope you guys are are hearing this. This is very close to my my experience with uh, <clears throat> uh, 
I don't even know if you want to call it my my meeting with the Holy Spirit, man, because I got it overnight too. And you know, I think maybe people have lost faith that that's even possible, but I promise you, it is possible. When when uh, when you come into a relationship, companionship, you give your life to your Creator that loves you and wants to know you. He can change you and everything that you don't like about yourself literally overnight. It is not something, it can change it in a, in a millisecond. It's, it's not something that is just something that you read about in the Bible. It can still happen. It does still happen. I, I want to ask you a couple questions, Stacy. Now, you and I had a similar experience in our meeting with the Holy Spirit, similar in in a fat in in the way it changed us. Why does that happen for some people? Why do you think that happens for some people like you and I? And we just man, it just clicks. We just get it, and it's just it just becomes like I told you earlier. Woe is me if I don't if I don't tell people about yeah. what I just what just happened to me, man. Exactly. Why does that happen for some people? But for some people, they just struggle with it all their lives, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why? I mean, I get maybe there's not an answer. I just well, want I your opinion on a, it. I think there is an answer, and, and 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 I think you know all authority that we have is scripture. And Jesus talked about this in the parable of the sower. You know, he said the sower goes out and throws seed on some on stony ground, some on shallow, you know, shallow earth ground, yeah. some in thorny ground. But that that lands on good ground produces fruit. So I think a lot of times in our lives that, that the gospel is presented to us. And I, and I tell folks this all the time. I said, the Holy Spirit wants nothing more than to get you, all of you, to get you. He, I mean, that's, all he, that's what he's here for. He's here to draw you to Jesus. And so I don't know if people, over because you know being in the Bible Belt, that people have heard the gospel so much that they have grown complacent or they've grown like kind of cold to it or um, and but I think the Holy Spirit, you know, and it's all it's all to do with the condition of your heart, you know, and and you know, hearing your story for the first time this morning about how you know God revealed Himself to you and where you were at and all that was pretty that's pretty awesome and and um, you know and I think I think if you'll look back over your life, Chad, and I look back over my life, you know, I see where the Spirit of God had been trying to work in my life, yeah. had been trying to show me and and draw me and you know i would just i was just either ignorant of it i ain't gonna say that i was trying to push it away but probably ignorant more than pushing it away you know because a lot of people say well, i just ran from it i just ran and so i don't know that i was running i was just ignorant to what god wanted to do with my life you know and how how god wanted to work in my life and so um you know and I think that's the whole thing is that I believe God, you know, and I, I have to believe that. I have to believe that the scripture teaches that God wants to do in everybody's life what he's done in my, mine and yours. Yeah. You know, but I think some people are, you know, they're so, I don't know, self-centered or selfish and they're, they want their way or no way. It's kind of like, you know, um, those, those uh, commercials, you know, my way or no way. And I think that people, you know, are just will, will harden their heart. To the to the call of the Spirit of God, for so long that there's just nothing that they can do. Their heart becomes like stone. You know, the Scripture talks about that about having that reprobate heart, where yeah. it's just yeah. you know it's no longer penetratable. Yeah. You know, because the Spirit has tried. 
I mean, you look at creation, you know, I, I think I did that the other day on one of my devotions, Psalms 19, one, you know, that even the, 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 the heavens reveal, I mean, nature reveals who God is. So nobody can give an excuse, you know, that, oh, I didn't know there was a God because you can't walk out. I mean, looking out your back door, you can't walk, you can't say, well, Hey, you know, wow, this, it all points to him. Everything points to him, yeah. you know? And so, um, well, well, for somebody, so for some, for, for, for the person listening to this right now that says, man, I want that. I want what Chad and Stacy are talking about. What, where do we, because we have, we, we obviously, from what I hear, from what you just said, Stacy, is I think a part of, a part of that coming into that real relationship with God hinges on what's called free will, right? Because you have the decision to decide or or to submit or, or to seek or, or open the door, whatever. Now, for that person, though, that wants that, man, where would you tell them? To, to where can they start? Where I mean, what what is the essential thing for them to set their mind on? Well, it, you know, it all starts with Scripture. I mean, okay. I tell people, you can't, I mean, you just can't wake up one morning and say, I'm going to change, or I'm going to, you know, supernaturally, because it's a supernatural thing. It's 100%. not, it's not a, you know, I can, cha- I can cut your beard. I can give you a three-piece suit. I can, I can teach you Christian lingo, but I can't make you real. That's it. You know what I mean? It's like that plant right beside you there. You know, it looks real. It gives all the evidence of life in that thing, but we know that it's not real. Yeah. Only God can make that real. And so all that stems from the word of God. You've got to, you know, and that's where it stemmed for me and all about you, but I had been reading a little bit of scripture and I thought, you know, and I'm talking about just a little bit because that's how powerful the word of God is. The Bible says it's like a two-edged sword. It, go, it cuts going in and going out, yep. you know, through bone and marrow. It goes through, straight through. And so I would tell people, and this is what I always tell people who are searching because I have friends who are agnostic, friends that are atheist, friends who are just, you know, uh, just looking, you know, and so instead of me having to force feed you and force something down your throat, which I, I'm not about, I will never do that because I think the gospel is so precious. If you don't get it, then you just missed it. You, you misunderstood it. And so I, w- I always tell people, you know, to, to search it out for yourself, you know, find it for yourself, read the Bible, get it in the scriptures, you know, start with the book of John. It's very practical. Uh, John's a great book to start with, you know, Start there and read through it, you know, and I have people because it is a, this book is a, it is a, it's not just an any, you know, an everyday book that you would buy. It is a, it is a living organism. It is God's word. It is God breathed. According to Timothy, you know, Paul told Timothy, it is God's inspired, infallible, inerrant word. There's no error in it. And so a lot of people have, you know, they struggle with that. And so I say, start right there first, you know, start there or get with somebody like me and you, you know, let them see what's real. Let them see that, hey, even though I, you know, I am a follower of Christ, I still mess up. Yeah. You know, I still have to, I still need him. You listen, if you want to call it a crutch, call it a crutch. But, you know, without Jesus, I'm crippled. You know, I can't walk without him. I can't do anything without him. And so, you know, I'd say get with people like me and you, you know, listen to your podcast. That's what turned me, that's what got me following you was I didn't know your background. I just seen this dude with a red beard just standing there proclaiming the Bible to be the truth, you know, and this is where I stand. This is, I didn't know nothing about you. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who Chad Wright was. You know, I was like, it's the guy that loves Jesus. And he kind of looks cool. He's got a beard. He's tattooed up. 
I mean, he, he looks kind of angry a little bit, you know, he's, he's proclaiming the gospel. He's yeah. standing on it. And I was like, that's a dude I want to follow. That's a guy I want to hang out with because iron sharpens iron, you yep. know? And so, um, and it's just a miracle of God. It's one of those divine appointments. So, so, so start seeking in the word yes. and you would recommend starting in John. Yeah. Just John. Now, now, first of all, guys, why are we even talking about this? Stacy and I are having this conversation right now. For those of you that this part of the conversation applies to, because we love you, we are not trying to convince you of anything. We legitimately love you, and we want you to experience the fullness of life. We want you to receive the gift of eternal life just like we have it's purely out of love so i just wanted to clear that up real quick and and, and i want to talk real quick too stacy i want to go back you know we talked about your consistency and you the way you consistently show up and i think that being a big strength of yours and i think you you had told me earlier that your father that was an atheist, that was unloving, that was a alcoholic, that was, you know, living that life of pure sin, that he eventually got saved. And I think you even said, you know, a portion of that was attributed to him seeing that consistency in you. Yeah. Um, how did that whole situation play out? Because I feel like that's a powerful story, man. Well, it, it was crazy. I, I came home and, and I told my dad that I said, listen, I said, you know, um, I made a decision today. I said, really, I said, um, I wasn't looking for God, but God was looking for me. He found me. And I told my dad, I said, I got saved. You know, that's another terminology that Christian use. Um, you know, we say saved or, you know, born again born or again. Yeah. I know a lot of you guys may not, but there's really no better way to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause he saved me from myself and he saved me for eternity. He saved me from, you know, from a lot of stuff. And, and so I remember going home and telling my dad that and seeing this disgusted look on his face, like, Oh, great. You know, here we go. Now it's in my house. Cause I, my dad had run off a lot of Christians and made fun of them. You know, he would, he would talk about crazy stuff like aliens and, you know, well, you look, let's go all the way back to the stone age. They're drawing pictures of aliens. And so he'd have, you know, he'd bring stuff up like that. And so he, you know, he tried to make it hard for me and my mom because we had the, we were the two that had gotten right with God. And, uh, my mom hadn't been really right with God, but she had really, before I even made the decision, you know, when God got a hold of me, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. Before then, my mom had really just made this radical change. God had changed her, and I'd seen a change in her. I thought, man, there's something different about her. I wake up, and she'd be like at five in the morning. She'd be reading her Bible, and I never hadn't seen that before all my life. You know, and I'm 19, almost 20 years old now. And uh, well, I was probably 21 or about 20. I was 20 years old, and I saw I seen her doing that, and I was like, wow, man, she is something's different. You know. Well, anyway, so my dad, I would, you know. Every day he would see me praying, he'd see me reading, he'd see me, and he would try his best to shake me. He'd try his best to, you know, say, hey, you know, that, that ain't really that real, you know. And so he said, you know, after watching that and going through that and, you know, threatening him, even, I was going to move out. I'm like, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to get out of here. And, you know, and so him just consistently watching the change in my life. Uh, one night I had been, I'd, uh, I was working, going to school, 
And uh, we'd started a Bible study at the work I was at, and um, God just really blessed it. And and so uh, I was kind of taught. I'd always talk to him about that. I always plant seed in my dad. You know, every time I'd meet with him, I'd talk. I'd say, "Hey, you know, this is what God's doing," and and I'm going to this. You know, to go talk to these people today or whatever. God's let me go talk to these folks, and he'd always be like, "Well, what are you going to talk about? You know, what are y'all going to talk about?" And so I'd tell him. And so, long story short, I'll never forget, I was working third shift, going to school. I, I was sleeping. I was, it's probably like around 11 o'clock in, in the morning. And he came in, and uh, my dad was always a tough guy. I mean, super tough. I had, I'd watched him, you know, not cry at any funeral. Like, his best friend died. Uh, my grandmother died. None of those. He didn't cry a bit. And so, he's standing in the doorway of my bedroom, and the light shining on his face. And I could see a silhouette of my dad and tears, I could see were, you know, it was sparkly, the tears on his cheek. And he was crying hard. And I was like, hey, what? Well, I said, you okay? And he said, he said, no. He said, I'm not okay. And I said, what's wrong? He said, he said, today, he said, I gave my life to Jesus. He said, I met the God that you've been serving mm. all these years. And he said, he's real. And he is real. And I mean, I'm telling you, here was a guy that made up cuss words. I mean, he cussed so much. He was mean. He was always mad. I mean, he, he, worked, he worked third shift his whole life, always mad you know, up and angry, radically change. I mean, it was such a radical change that it messed a lot of us, like my, me and my brothers. I was like, you know, I can't believe the change in this guy. And so to see that, you know, that's why I tell folks I don't believe in atheists. And I know, you know, that there's there's people out there that who claim to be that, and that's okay. And, and I just encourage people like that to seek it out for yourself. You know, seek out the truth for yourself. There's so much prophecy about I mean, Jesus alone, there's thousands of prophecies about him. And so I said, just research it yourself. Don't take my belief. Don't take what, you know, just go look for it yourself. If you don't, you know, and, and you'll find that it's real. You'll find that it's true. And that's the thing that my dad had to do. I didn't know, but he told me, he said, I've been watching your life. And he said, I've been reading the Bible a little bit. And he said, I didn't understand the Bible. He said, I couldn't understand. He said, it was just all like Greek to me. He said, I couldn't understand it. And he said, the, the day after he got saved, it was crazy. He opened his Bible, and he said, I understand it now. Yeah. He said, this is insane. He said, I understand the word of God. He said, before I didn't know what it, what it meant because yep. it's spiritual, and it is. I mean, there's so many people who try to look in the word of God, and they say, you know, they'll read, and they'll make fun. I've seen skits on, you know, on TV shows making fun of, you know, so-and-so begot so-and-so, and so-and-so begot so-and-so, and – um and my dad made that great statement. He said, you know, I couldn't understand it till I got the spirit, till the spirit of God was in me, yep. helping me. Cause that's what the counselor does. That's what the Holy spirit does. He didn't come to boast of himself or brag of himself. He come, the scripture says he came to promote Jesus and to teach us about Jesus. And so, yeah. And now I told you, you know, this morning he will witness, he'd witness to that tree out back. I mean, he tells everybody about the life that Jesus changed in him. And so it's, it was, it was a radical thing, yep. I mean, a radical thing. You know, that's a, and that's a really interesting topic that you bring up about how all of a sudden you, you open your Bible one day after you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you can understand the the things that are written, the concepts, the, the importance of the, the, the parts of uh, whatever you read that day that are applicable to the mission that you have to accomplish that day. To me, that's another testament to the fact that it is an, a living word and a totally unique document that cannot be compared to anything else 
really on earth. It doesn't even make sense, man. Exactly. It doesn't even make sense that you can read this this book and get really nothing out of it until your eyes are opened, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you see how applicable and how useful and how important each and every little part of that book is. It's a crazy concept that, you know, here I am sitting in your house, you know, in in this area, and I follow a Jewish man, you know, uh, that, that yeah. lived 2,000 years ago, you know, and, and, and his proclaims of being God, not just, you know, a lot of people have an issue. A lot of religions have an issue with Jesus proclaiming to be God. The, the Pharisees had an issue with that, you know, the religious elite in that day. And let me just say this. I've never had an issue with sinners, uh, but I've had a lot of issues with the religious elite, you oh yeah, know? and so uh, my my problems have never come from. I mean, I can hang out with bikers. I can hang out with. I mean, you you name it. I've hang out with some really rough rough people, and and I guess that's why God you know sees fit to use me because Jesus came to this earth, like I said in the beginning of this, to save sinners. Yep. And Paul said, "I'm the chief of sinners." You know, I was I was. I, I mean, there was no greater sinner than me, and so um, I've told my people at my church. I say, hey, if you ever see me at the at the liquor store. Don't think that I'm buying liquor, okay? And I don't want to be a stomach blossom, but if you ever send me to a biker's rally, don't think that I'm there hanging out, just hanging out with bikers, you know, because that's where Jesus would be. And so because I believe in that radical, that he can radically change anybody, yeah. you know, and and so that's, you know, that's that's the whole story behind that with my dad and, and even with myself. It's just, a, you know, it's something that you can't get past it. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't care. I mean, here's the thing. I, what bothers me, and I made this quote years ago. God gave me this quote years ago. If you can walk away from it, you never had it. I mean, really. You know what I mean? There's yeah. people who walk away from church every Sunday. Yep. And they, they, they were like, you know, well, I went to church. And that's all they have to stand on is yep. I was at church Sunday. Yep. You know? And for like people like me and you, man, it's an everyday thing. You know I mean? it's A, a disciple is a learner. It's learning of Jesus. It's, yep. you know, learning of, you know, his teachings and not just learning of them, but applying them to my life on a daily basis to say, okay, this is what I'm, why am I reading this today? I'm reading it for a reason. I'm in this passage of scripture for a reason. So how can I apply this to my life today? And how can I use it? Because God's all about Jesus and others. How can I use it to glorify Jesus and help others? That's the whole thing behind my, my uh, daily devotions is how can I help somebody else? Yep. You know, and that kind of leads me into the next thing I wanted to ask you about, Stacy. And um, it leads me into that evangelism portion. And again, guys, there's another word that you, you might it might sound scary. Being an evangelist, uh, this is something that Stacy has on uh, listed on his bio in in on his Instagram page. So I know it's something that he understands. It's something that is important to him. To me, evangelism is doing exactly what you talked about you were doing shortly after you were saved of, of uh, you know, picking people up, giving them rides, sharing sharing your testimony and, and uh, sharing Jesus with people at the fast food restaurant. I mean, that to me is evangelism, the simple message of the gospel. Guys, when you hear us say the gospel, that is the good news of Jesus Christ, that he was the Son of God, God in flesh, that he died on the cross for our sins. He lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, 
He rose again on the third day and seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. That, to me, is, sums up the gospel, right, in that, in that he wants a relationship with you. Um, so, talking about evangelism, you know, to me, again, that's a big, scary word. Now, we, let's talk, we're talking now to people that now have a, a foundation in, in, the, in a relationship with, with Christ and want to know how they can, like you said, how they can plant that seed, how they can uh, bring others, tell others about what they have and what they found. I think the gospel, which is the, the foundation of evangelism, I don't think that should ever change. No, the gospel not. can't change. It's it's the to me the delivery. So we saw how it worked with Billy Graham. You know, back in the day, man, he was able to amass thousands, hundreds of thousands of people just to hear his message was always simple. It was the gospel. Mm. I assume he was an an evangelist. Yeah, was that, that how was, you would classify his, him? That was his title. It was an evangelist. Okay. Yeah. So it worked. The way he delivered the gospel obviously worked very well. We don't see that happening today. At least I don't see it happening. I don't see any stadiums being filled with people that are hungry to hear the gospel. That's that's actually a, a, a I've had a, I have a vision to do that. Um, can it be delivered differently? Should it be delivered differently? What what are what are the challenges that we face, and, and how do you now share the gospel with people? Is it different? Than it was in the past, the delivery. I mean, you see what I'm saying there? Well, you, you, like you, like you said, it's the same message. The message never changed, and I think sometimes the way that we present the message changes. You know, but the message yeah. stays the same. That's Billy right. Graham's he's he's telling the same message that you and I are t telling today, and so I think that we have to change our methods, not the message. Um, and that's you know today we live you know with the threat of the coronavirus, and so. Social media is a great platform for sharing the gospel, which that's how me and you met, yeah. you know. And so uh, that, and and still, I mean, I think the Bible is still very, very, you know, elementary about it when it says that you should go out, you know, as you go, as you're going. You know, Jesus didn't give a great suggestion. He gave the great commission. You know, he said, this is a command. He didn't say this is, okay, if you feel like it today, go out and tell somebody about Jesus or tell somebody about me. He said, this is the great commission. He commanded us to go and tell folks. And so, um, you know, another person I want to bring up in, in, in my life is my little brother, Kelly. He has a ministry called As You Go Ministry. He's a truck driver uh, from Sugar Valley, Georgia. And so God put on his heart to start handing out little metal crosses, like giving somebody a gift and saying, okay, let me share the gospel with you. And so now he's made those into necklaces, and he puts it. He's got a little pouch, and he puts it like a a track in there, and he hands it out as a necklace. And I mean, he has. I mean, every week, Chad, it's amazing because this dude, he was. He, I thought I was lost. This guy was way out there lost. And so God's using my little brother to to get the gospel to thousands of people. He goes to Biloxi, Mississippi. Everywhere he goes, every place he stops, every flying J, every truck stop, he's giving the gospel to somebody. 
And it's and, and he he titled his ministry as you go because that's what scripture teaches us as we go. You know, um, I may not win the whole world. Billy Graham packs stadiums out. Uh, you know, and here's how I see it. But I can win my world. And so what I mean by my world is my those that my contacts, those people that I have in my network. You know, and yeah. your network, like I told you, is probably a lot bigger than mine, a lot larger than mine, and that's why I'm play, praying so hard for your platform because, you know, I didn't know who I was coming to meet. You know, like I said, I didn't know who Chad Wright was. My little brother did, Kelly. He knew more about you than I did. He's like, you're going to meet Chad Wright. That is so cool. Tell him about me. And I'm like, what? And so, <laughs> no, he hit us up yeah. on Instagram uh, yesterday. I thought he said, hey, I'm Stacy's brother. And I said, man, we can't wait to meet Stacy in a few days. He said, yeah, he's a good one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he was so tore up. And I was like, you know, no offense. It's kind of like you and that Warren Buffett thing. I didn't know who you were. You know, I was like, okay, cool. You know, and like once again, I'm not a person to get starstruck. Yeah. My heroes are dead, you know, or, or not really dead. They're in heaven. Yeah. And so, um, you know. Um, and so I just, I didn't really, I wouldn't, I don't get tore up about stuff like that, yeah. you know, but, and so he was so tore up. He said, Hey, you know, I'm so, it's awesome. And, but I think it's as you go, I mean, getting back to what you were saying, you know, the evangelism share, everybody's called everybody to, to share the gospel. So I have people ask me all the time, what's my purpose? Why, oh, why, why am I here Come why on. Am I on this earth? And I'm saying you're here because God's given you a story. God's given you, I mean, you know, your your life, you know, is much different than mine, but God's going to use your story like he like he'd use mine. You know, he's he's given you this awesome story which we call testimony yeah. to go out and tell people, you know? Cuz people love that real life stuff. They don't like stuff that's packaged in a in a in, you know, you have to sit there and read it and say, "Okay, you know, these are 12 steps of how to share the gospel. That's right. Yeah. Uh, they want to hear the real deal. You know, they want to mm-hmm. see the real thing. And that's one thing that I think people has always been attracted uh, to a, a, a guy who has a girl's name. I always make fun of that because I told my dad, so why don't you just name me Sue? You name me Stacy. Why don't you name me Sue? It looks like it have been a cool Johnny Cash song. You know what I mean? I heard that, and so, uh And so he's, you know, he which he laughs and. Um, I didn't find it funny, but he, um, you know, I said, I got, I'm not a, I'm not a Dr. David Jeremiah. I'm not a Billy Graham, you know, but I carry the greatest message ever. I mean, there's no greater message than the message that I'm bringing. And that's, I guess that's what's kept me so consistent is that there's nothing greater than Jesus. There's nothing greater than the gospel. There's nothing greater knowing that if, if I live to be a hundred, I'm going to get to live eternity with God in heaven you know, which doesn't compare to this life whatsoever. So that's what's kept me consistent. And and seeing real life change like like yours is gives me hope. Like, okay, if God can change Chad Wright, former Navy SEAL, you know, whatever, then he can change anybody. Because I've been around Navy SEALs, and they're a tough group, man. That's a tough group to even try to share the gospel with. Yeah. And so, um, but, you know, to see that, it gives me hope. You know, and to see bikers, to see outlaws, to see former hell's angels, you know, give their life to Jesus gives me hope. Yeah. You know, and and that's why I, I guess I've been so consistent all these years because, you know, there's no greater message than that. You know, yeah. and and I think a lot of times the devil will try to get you to go back to your old lifestyle. And I think, what is there to go back to? You know what I mean? There's nothing to go back to. I mean, what? there's no greater thing than knowing Jesus, than knowing the Son of God. Listen, you can call the governor of, of Georgia and say, hey, do you know Stacey Hensley? A lot of people listen to your podcast today and be like, who's this Stacey Hensley guy? You know, you can call the mayor and they'll be like, you know Stacey Hensley? No. 
you probably call my former principal. He probably remembers me because of all my trouble. But the con- the thing I'm saying here is you can call heaven today, and I may get tore up right here. You can call heaven and say, do you know little Stacy Hensley? Yeah, I know him. Mm-hmm. I know him. He's mine. Yeah. You know, that is the God of the universe. The God of the cosmos yeah. knows me. And so, yeah, it's Brother, just as you go. Yeah, no, I love that, man. And I'll tell you how this has worked for me. I, the, in that that name there, as you go, that really works. That That really resonates with me because that's essentially all I do is I rate, first of all, I'm willing to go. Yeah. And so you you want to look at the places that I've evangelized. Well, just that we did a podcast the other day with a guy named Andrew Frisilla. Um, that podcast probably listened to over a million times by now. Wow. And we talk about Jesus on there. Well, guess what got me there? I God, God I think, orchestrated the opportunity but i had to raise my hand and say i will go yes i'll go out there and get in that suburban i will drive nine hours on my dime to have a conversation with somebody that i think have conversation in a place that jesus has never been discussed wow never all right you got to raise your hand man you got to get off the dang couch. This, as you go, don't work unless you say, I will go. Yes, definitely. And, and that's crazy. You know, I've, I've been in a lot of places, and you have too. You know, I've been to California. I've been to, I have been to Venice Beach. I have been to, I've been in, I was, I was in, I've been, every year, me and my wife go to New York City for, for the ball drop until this year. We're not going this year. But I here's here's how I, here's how I am. Here's I'm sitting in New York City, millions of people around me, and here's my mind thought. I wonder how many of these people know Jesus. I wonder how many of these people really know him. You know, and that's been my mind thought everywhere I go. I can't get away from it. When I walk into a mall, I walk into a store, I walk into someone's home, I'm wondering, do they know him? Do they know Jesus? And I guess, you know, I've read books about D.L. Moody and and Moody was the kind of person he lived in Chicago. And he wanted to know that everybody in his building was saved. So he'd ask them. He'd go down around and ask everybody. And he said, until until they told them his testimony, their testimony, he would put an L on their head for lost. And so he said that he did that. And I took on that concept as a man, as a 20-year-old. You know, nobody taught me how to be a soul winner. Nobody said, hey, go out and do this. Uh, they didn't have, like, classes to teach soul winning at my little big tiny church. But I just wanted to go tell people about Jesus, this man who had changed my life, you know, and didn't know. I probably probably messed it up most days. I mean, to be honest with you, I didn't know. And and a lot of times I would feel defeated. I mean, I, I mean I've been choked out. I had a guy choke me one time and told me, he said, if you don't stop talking about this Jesus, I'm going to hurt you. And so I've been choked. I've been choked out. I've been, I've been, I've been run out of churches because I was preaching the gospel. And you think, well, that's crazy. You're preaching the gospel. They're going to run you out of a church. Let me tell you something. Jesus, Jesus in Revelation, when he said he stood at the door and knocked, uh, he's not welcome in a lot of churches. I'll just be honest with you. Yeah. Because it's, you know, and in, in some people will understand that that's been in that. And well, so look, man, one of the first one of the first videos that I ever saw that you had posted, and we'll take a little break after this, guys. Um, one of the first videos I ever saw that you posted was you sitting in an empty church building. 
and you kind of pan the camera around and there was nobody in there and and you talked about what church really is what is the church can you walk us through that man it not only what it what you were getting across in that message but what church is to you what is the church man well and that's that's a good thing i remember that video um and, and here's what i think about this whole coronavirus and this is I know, and i've made this statement and it may not set well with a lot of people is i think god evicted the church I think because we had put so much focus on a building. Come on, man. And that we had forgot what the body was all about, you know, what the body was for. Now, we need fellowship. I mean, this right here is good. I hope I, mean, I hope I get to come to your house more. I hope we get to hang out more because I need that fellowship. I need. And I don't need you to pat me on the back, but I need you to get my face and say, hey, are you living for Jesus? Are you doing what the Bible tells you to be doing? You know, yeah. I don't need to because that's what church a lot of times is. It's just a social click where people, you know, pat each other on the back. Hey, you know, we've, we've been here. We went through our religious our rituals and all that. And so in that video I was talking about, I think, you know, God's called us to be the body. And for so long we have not, we need to get back to the New Testament church that God established back in those days that were taking care of the poor, that were taking care of the sick, that were taking going out sharing the gospel, mm, where they were seeing on. hundreds of people, you know, come to faith in Christ. And I said, you know, and that's been, and I've gotten in trouble for that over the years. I mean, I'm not your everyday, typical, run-of-the-mill pastor, you know? And so being radical for Jesus will get you in trouble. And a lot of times it gets you in trouble with, with the religious people because people will fight you over that building, not so much over the body, you know? Yep. And so, and that's one, that was the thing that I was getting to is that we are called to be the, the, the body of Christ, mm -hmm. you know? And so when Jesus comes back for the church, and I believe that, you know, you some people may not believe in the, the rapture of the church. I believe that Jesus, according to what the, everything I've studied, he's coming back for us. But is he going to come back for a building? No, he's coming back for a body. I mean, you may be sitting here right now having this conversation and we're gone, yep. you know? Yep. And so how are you doing at being the body of Christ? You know, how are you doing with your, and that's what, that was the whole thing I was getting at is, is that you can be in a building anywhere. I can go to Walmart and religiously. You know, and it doesn't make me an employer of Walmart. You know, I, that, that that's, that's, man, I'm telling you, you're hitting a nail on the head right here, brother. It, and it's crazy to me how ashamed people look, man. I, I was, I, when I went on that duck hunt the other day, we had a dude. Now, now God puts me in the room with rough men because I'm a rough cat, man. And I've, and I y'all ain't even heard all of my stories. I'll let Brooke come on here one of these days and tell y'all my stories about how rough uh, my walk used to be in life. But it's it's amazing. I I I got a chance to share uh, the gospel of Jesus with uh, one of the guys out on the duck hunt. Rough cat, rough as a cob, son. But uh, he was he was so ashamed when he told me that he didn't really go to church much he you know wanted to say well you know yeah i know jesus i don't go to it's funny how people can be so ashamed of not going to the church building like they think they should but they're not ashamed that they haven't been doing the things that the church is supposed to have been doing there's no shame in the shames in not going to the building that's it. Nobody's That's it. not ashamed that they're not doing the things that you're talking about the church is supposed to be doing. 
And, and it's crazy that we're even talking because the Holy Spirit, I mean, we had this conversation, I'm telling you, like an hour ago, me and him in, the, in that tree stand. We, I mean, I had this same conversation with him. And, um, you know, and that's, that's just it. People put so much emphasis. They Listen, I always said this. I said, if your life doesn't, if your life does on Saturday night, if your life doesn't measure up on Sunday morning, there's something wrong. You know, and so because people put so much emphasis on, well, I went to church, you know, and and the thing is, I mean, you know, it's that is important. Going to church is important. Don't get me wrong. I, I ain't going to say this. It ain't the be all of everything. And I think we've been doing it too wrong for too long. But I think, you know, people put so much and and that's it. They get they'll be like, well, I didn't go to church today. And I've had so many people mad at me right now because we haven't reopened our church. Because, oh, I couldn't imagine, dude. Because the coronavirus. And here's the here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing, Chad. And the people who are mad at me are not mature Christians. Yep. It's the immature Christians wow. who feel like I've got to be there. I've got to. I've got to do. I've got to do my part. And so I've been trying to teach them through podcasts and through and through you know just telling you know across social media. Let's be the church. You can still do everything that you can do without entering a building and following Jesus. You yep. know what I mean? You can still do all those things. Why, you know, why, why aren't you doing them now? I yep. mean, I had this conversation with a 20-something-year-old young man the other day who said, you know, if you don't reopen the church, then me and my wife are going back, we're going to go back to our sinful lifestyle. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? I mean, really? Is that all you got was church? Because you wow, missed Jesus. Man. You mm. missed Jesus. And so, you know, that's, and that's just it. I mean, people put so much emphasis on that. And, and, um, I, I mean, I tell folks, you know, church, church has hurt a lot of people and that's one way church has hurt a lot of people. Uh, it's hurt a lot of families because people put so much emphasis on being there all the time. And the more than I'm there, I think, you know, they, I believe they think that, Hey, God's going to, God's going to bless me if I'm there more and more and more. And so we have all kinds of crazy things going at church. I mean, there's, you know, you can be at church seven days a week in some churches because they've got so much programs. We've programmed everything, you know, to, 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 and it's, it's insane how much programs that we have. Yeah. We've got, you know, tons of, and I have people all the time, you know, that, and that's why I probably pastor a small church because when somebody comes in and they say, what can your church do for me? I say, no, no, no. What can you do for the church? What can you do for the kingdom? Ain't about what our church can do for you. Well, what kind of kid programs? Well, don't worry about it. I mean, what can, what can you do for the kingdom? And people don't like that. They, they don't like, they don't like to be real. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear, you know, do you have good singing? Do you have, what, yeah. how's your preaching style? You know, or how, how, you know, do you have a good kids program? Do you have a great nursery? You know, how much, what's in your budget? I'll, I mean, it's just insane, you know, and I'm just, I guess, old school, you know, Bible man here that says, Hey, this is what scripture says that we should be doing. Well, no, no, you're getting, you're getting a little radical on us, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to go out and knock on doors? Really? This ain't 1956. No, but Jesus said Jesus said it works. You know, you want to go to you want to go and 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 you know win bikers to Christ? Yeah, let's go. Let's do what. What do we got to do? You want to go to the jail? You know why you want to go to the jail for? Well, that's where Jesus would have went. Yeah. You know, you want to go into bridges? We got a huge homeless population in Dalton, and they're like, you want to go into bridges? Why? They're all just meth heads. They're all, mm. you know, they're all drunks. Why you want to deal with them? Because that's who Jesus would have went after. Yep. I mean, he came. The Bible says they even said that about him. He's hanging out with wine bibbers and drunks and, and prostitutes and things like that. Here's this man who claims to be the son of God, but he's hanging. That's who he came for. Yeah. Yeah. He came for those people. He was eating dinner at Levi's house, man. Exactly. You've seen the people that come to Levi's house to eat dinner. They, know, were, listen, they was a bad bunch, son. That's right. And you know how bad we hate tax people? 
Can you imagine how bad they hated tax people oh, in Jesus' day? Yeah. And so here Jesus is hanging out with a tax collector, and they're thinking, he's hanging out with a tax collector. I mean, he those guys were hated, you yeah. know. And so that's always been my thing, you know, is, is uh, that's who he came for. That's it, brother. Let's take a little break right here, Stacey. This episode of the 3 of 7 podcast is brought to you by Wake Up Waffles. I hope you guys have went and purchased some Wake Up Waffles. I eat them every day. I started eating Wake Up Waffles on the Mid-State Mile, a last man standing ultra marathon that I won in 2020. Ran for over 30, 30 continuous hours on, on this course. Now look... My 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 guys Jesse and Mark they kept bringing me these wake up waffles. I had never ate them before, but I was crushing them, man, and they were keeping me moving. They were easy on my stomach. They tasted amazing. I was like, "What are these things?" Yeah, they were wake up waffles. It's the world's only plant based, gluten free, dairy free, nut free, soy free waffles. They taste awesome. They're easy on your stomach. They're healthy. You can eat them for a midnight snack and not feel bad about eating your midnight snack. Wake Up Waffles, thank you for supporting this episode of the 3 of 7 podcast. Hey guys, go check them out at wakeupfoods.com. Wakeupfoods.com. Give them a follow on Instagram and go get you some. I guarantee you, you won't be disappointed. All right, guys, we're back at you. Uh, Coming back at you. Just wrapped up our conversation about church. If there was any confusion around the topic of church, I don't think that it could uh, really be summed up in any better way than Stacy just summed it up. Um, now, a few other things I want to dig into today, Stacy. And so we've hit, we've heard your testimony, we've heard about your father, we've heard about how you came to Jesus, a little bit about what you're doing now, talked about evangelism talked about church um i want to talk about something else that you that you that you do stacy and you told me this the other day i just learned this about you the other day when we had a conversation you part of your duty your responsibility as a pastor is you go to hospice when people like you said are already well, they're dying, basically, right? Mm-hmm. They're in the dying process. The dying that's process. We, that's what we call it, yeah. Okay. Now, first of all, man, that's a that's a tough job. How how did you how'd you Roger up for that, man? Well, it's uh, it's just it's just part of the calling, I believe. You know, it's it's being there for people, um, you know, when when they needed hope the most, you know, and, and it's and it's just. It just kind of, God just put me in that position too. You know, I've always been doing it. Um, my pastor told me years ago, he said, Stacy, when you're down, find somebody that's up. When you're up, find somebody that's down. And so I, I'd always just went to the hospital. And it was weird because I didn't have that title as chaplain. And so I'd go to doors. I mean, I'd just go and knock on doors and say, hey, can I come in and pray with you? Can I come in and talk to you? And so, because nobody was doing that. You know, I didn't, and that's one of those whole things Jesus, that's that whole, that whole conversation Jesus had with those people at judgment day when he said, you know, I was sick and you didn't come to me, Yeah, you know, and they're like, well, when was we supposed to come to you? You know, he says, when you've done these, the least of, of these of mine, you know, whatever he said, you've done it to me. And so I started going and, and I would, wherever, wherever I was at, I'd just go to the hospitals and I'd knock on doors and I'd say, Hey, can I pray with you? And so, um, 
that's kind of what started the whole chaplain thing. And so I was at a hospital and the real chaplain that was there, the one that got paid stopped me and he said, Hey, he said, I see you all the time. He said, what are you? He said, you know, I heard you go into a door and pray with people. He said, you're not on my staff. He said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm just going in praying with people, you know, being Jesus, you know, and, and here's what I would do, Chad. I'd go in there and it's crazy. And people thought I was crazy. You know, I'd go in there and say, Hey, somebody sent me here. And they say, well, who sent you here? I said, Jesus did. Of course, that weirds people out when a weird guy, because I had a big old beard like yours, and I mean, I looked like, you know, uh, either a, a terrorist or, or one of the Duck Dynasty guys. And so yeah, uh, when I'd walk into a room, but it was, so, I guess, looking at me and you, people were so, like, they was like, he's like me. You know, he's he's just an everyday average person coming in here in blue jeans and a, a button-up shirt, you know, a, a flannel or whatever. And he's telling me about Jesus, you know, he's praying and people would just, people would just start crying. You know, they just, you know, that would bring so much hope to them and it's contagious. You know what I mean? It's like when one of your friends come to Christ, you want to see another one come to Christ. You can't stop with this one, you know, you want to tell everybody. And so that hope that you bring, that Jesus brings through us, because we're, the Bible says we're ambassadors of Christ. And so we represent him. And so when we bring that hope to people, when we bring that hope, he, you know, he just, you just can't stop. And so that's what kind of got me going into that. And it is tough. I mean, it really, because I have seen some stuff in the ER, and I know you have probably in war or whatever, if you've been in, you know, I've seen some stuff that was just gruesome. And so you have to understand that when you leave one ER room, go into another ER room, you got to forget what you've seen over here and, and concentrate what you're doing right here. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been crazy. I've led so many people to Christ at the ER you know, and, uh, God's used that. And, and that's the whole thing about, and, and so I went to the hospice end of it. That was the, you know, that was the hospital side. And so now I'm on, I'm doing, you know, end of life care with people. Mm-hmm. And so that is tough. You know, you're, you meet people when they're somewhat healthy and then you watch them basically die in the next six months or however long they have, you know? And so that's tough. So you're just there trying to bring hope <coughs> each and every time you're trying to bring hope to them and their family you know, and, and, and just be there for them, you know, just be there to show them that, that, you know, somebody does care. And so that's what got me into the, the whole chaplain part. And so I went to school, you know, the, the chaplain at the hospital stopped me and said, Hey, if you're going to do this, let's make it legit. You know, let's, let's give you some papers and say that you, and so I was like, and so my wife, you know, being a nurse, she's like, yeah, do that, do that. Let's do that. That way you can, you can be a chaplain for anybody. You can go be a chaplain for a, you know, a high school football team, or whatever, and I've I've spoke at high school football teams. I mean, I've it's been amazing that God's opened up doors where I go in and I just preach the gospel. I and mean, I've seen high school football players kneel down before a game, broken, and give their life to Jesus. And I've been into prisons. I go to prisons. I've been to several prisons here in Georgia and just presented the gospel, just preached, and watched the gospel just you know fall on hearts and people get radically changed in a in a in a prison setting. But it all stems back to scripture. It all goes back to what Jesus said. Hey, this is what you should be doing. And it's not, it's not like it's a burden, you know, it's not like, Oh, you know, your dad telling you to take out the trash. It's chores. Oh, I got to do this. You know, I got to go, I got to read my Bible again. No, I get to do this. I get to read my Bible. I get to praise God. I get to go share my faith. And so, um, that's what the, that whole chaplain thing came out of was just that I was already going to the hospitals. You know, yeah. I was going to where people were sick. I was going to nursing homes. I, I mean, I first started off, I was going to nursing homes and because I thought, you know, surely everybody in the nursing homes saved. They're, they're in their 80s. 
You know, they're dying. They're in the nursing home. They're, surely they're saved. And it was crazy how many people would I'd go in there and, and win to the Lord, you know, share Jesus with that didn't know who Jesus was in a nursing home. And I'm thinking, wow, here's another fish, you know, here's another fish hole. Here's another ridge to hunt. Here's another duck hole. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, right here. Let's go in and, and, and use that concept. And so, uh, but this, you know, Jesus said, if you love, you know, if you love the least of these, you know, you've loved me. Basically, he said, you know, and that's the way you can tell, man. You know, a while ago when you said, hey, the reason that we're doing this is because we love you. You know, and I, and people, and it's weird when you meet people for the first time and they, you tell them that you love them. Yeah. They look at you like, you know, what, what in the world's wrong with you? Yeah. You know, and it's because we've got, we've got our, the definition of love has, has all of a sudden got skewed, man. Oh yeah. And, and you know, look, love is not, uh, primarily in a, uh, an emotion that you feel. It is not really, that's not the defin the biblical definition of love is actually love is shown through actions and and things that the way that you treat people right it's not necessarily that that the whole definition of love has been skewed and that's a lot of the reason why you now we won't have to go down this road but with homosexuality mm-hmm. it's like well god is love and this is love this is a loving relationship well it's like hold on now what do you classify as love okay mm-hmm. right now this 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 hospice duty this chaplain duty that you're doing at the hospital you're you're sharing the gospel with people or maybe like you said you're just being there loving on these people at, toward the end of their life and hopefully um some of them some of them get saved shortly before they die i would imagine the ones that haven't heard about jesus or given their life to him Hey, look, I don't care if you're listening to this and you're 80-something years old and on your deathbed, you and you've lived a absolutely terrible life. I don't care if you've murdered people, if you're an adulteress, if you, whatever you've done, and you, if you have one breath left and you use that breath, to profess your faith in Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior, you will meet him in heaven the very next moment. That's right. That the, the Jesus told us about this when he said, this guy had these fields, man, and he was hiring these cats to come and work in these fields, right, to harvest, to harvest the grapes or whatever they were harvesting. And the dude shows up in the morning. He says, I'll give you $5 to work out here all day. Well, then there's this this other guy, this other worker that he comes at the very end of the day and he don't work but one hour. Mm. And they all come in in the evening and the dude that worked for one hour gets paid the same as the dude that's worked 10 hours. That's right. Mm. Yeah, that's and that's it, you know. And and on the and here and here's the flip side of that, the exact opposite. If you are 80 years old and you've lived a great moral life you've been a good father you've been a good daddy you've been a good provider i mean you've been a good neighbor i would still tell you turn to jesus several years ago i was um i found myself in the home of a biker an outlaw and so i was in his home and i would i was brought there by another guy he said hey i want you to come share with my buddy and this guy morally chad he was an amazing man 
I mean, he was a biker. I mean, he was one of the one percenters. You know, he was rough. And so I'm standing in his home. He's like six foot four, big old dude. And so I'm scared to death. I mean, I really am. I mean, because I know this guy could physically hurt me. And so I'm standing there, and and so this his my friend just throws me under the bus. He said, "Oh, he's," and he said, "Now just share with him what you share with me." And so I just take this simple gospel, and I begin to share it with this guy. Well, he stops me. He says, "Hey, wait a minute." He said, "I'm a good man." He T- said, "Tell me what you told him, just for the listeners." I, I just went through the gospel. I went through that fact that God that he was a sinner, that everybody in this world was born with their back toward God because of what Adam did. Back in the garden, we're all born with that Adam nature and that we are all sinners. And I said, most of us choose to sin. And so, and I always present first because we can give a candy Christ, a candy Christ where we say, oh, God's all good. He's all great. He's all wonderful. And if we don't give people, if, if, if there's somebody sick, if say, if, if I look at you, Chad, and I say, well, you've got cancer. You say, well, you're not a doctor. How do you know that? How do you know I got cancer? You're not going to take me serious. But if I've got medical facts saying, hey, Chad, here's all the symptoms you got them, man. You look sick. I've got the cure. Let me give you the cure. You're going to, you're going to do whatever you got to do to get the cure for that sickness. Mm-hmm. You don't care what it is. You'll sell this whole property. You'll sell everything you got to get that cure. And so what we do a lot of times is, and here's what happened with most, most people, They'll give Jesus. They'll give the good part of Jesus. They'll say, "Well, he's you know he will bless your life. He'll make it you know." They don't. They don't tell them that they are sick, and so this guy had to hear that he was sick, and so because here's what happened. I gave him the gospel. I said, "Hey, the Bible says in Romans chapter three, verse twenty three, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." Romans six twenty three says, "The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life." And then so I went to Romans five, where it says, you know, Romans five is eight. For you know, while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Or God sent, you know, God's son died for the ungodly. And so I just went through the whole Roman road and then got to the end. He stopped me. He's like, well, wait a minute. And he said, I'm a good man. Mm-hmm. He said, I was, he said, and, it, and he lived on a big, a big place. He had three or four houses around him. He said, that house right there I bought for my son. That house right there I bought for my daughter. He said, my wife's in the kitchen right there. She'll tell you I'm a good man. I have supported her. I've never hit her, never cussed her. I'm a good person. This people, he said, I mean, he said, matter of fact, he said, I'm probably better than most people down at that church you go to. Yeah. And I said, man, that, that's been, I said, that's impressive. I said, yeah, I said, that's very impressive. And here's where, here's what got him. I said, but if that'll get you into heaven, Jesus died in vain. And that big trucker, I'll never forget this. He I mean, that big biker, he dropped his head and he began to weep. He said, I never thought about that. He said, I never thought about that. I said, yeah, if, 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 if your goodness and being good alone, being moral, going, mm-hmm. being religious, if going like the 80 year old man is dying being religious, if all those things will get you into heaven, Jesus Christ died in vain. Yep. You know, I said, so, and I, and when I said that, man, that guy broke, and here's the cool thing, Chad, his wife was listening in the next room. She comes out, she's bawling. She said, I've heard everything you said. She said, I want to give Jesus my life. And so she gave her life to Christ right there. That big biker, that big one percenter knelt down right there, tears falling on the ground probably never cried in his life, gave his life to Jesus that day. Mm. And so it's the power of the gospel. I mean, it's just that, you know. And so, um, that, you know, just telling people that, you know, it's more than just, it's more than, like you said, going to a church building. Like we was talking about earlier in that last segment. You know, it's more than, than going just to a building. Well, you know what I used to think um, before, I, before I was a, a Christian um, and – and again, before I believed exact or before I had 
comprehended exactly what you just said that if if my if my deeds of righteousness self-righteousness were enough to get me in heaven that Jesus Christ died in vain before I understood that I used to believe that when I was a seal if, if there if there was a Jesus if there was a God if there was a heaven that I was overseas killing bad people I was exterminating evil basically and I always thought that if I died doing that that if there was a heaven I was going to go to heaven because I was dying I would have died in order to exterminate evil on the earth right I thought that was going to get me to heaven I legitimately believed that for years and years and years that you know that's insane because if you think of that concept I mean there is a religious out, there's a religion out there right now that believes that same thing and that's jihadist. Yeah. You know, they believe hey if I kill the evil then I'll I'll get all these riches in heaven. Ain't that crazy man? That is insane, isn't it? I mean yeah. think about it. That's the, that's the mind thought that you said that you had. That's what I'm saying that's yeah. what's crazy that yeah. I I had I essentially had that same mindset. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so and that's and I get back to that chaplain thing, you know, but you think Listen, you think that everybody you meet because maybe the, the where you live or the, the area you live, that everybody's okay. And Billy Graham even said, did you talk about Billy Graham earlier about evangelism? Billy Graham said that he really, he said he only thinks like maybe that maybe 30% of the people who came forward in his, in his big meetings actually received Jesus, you know, and he said probably less than that. Billy Graham made this quote and it, it stuck with me for years. He said the greatest field for evangelism is not outside the church it is inside the church and i you know i wrestled with that for years i thought you know what does he mean and it's so true because people they get they get religion and they think that's enough you know they think well i'm a baptist or i'm this or i'm that my dad's a preacher or my dad's a deacon you know i go to church i go to sunday school i I sing in the choir surely i'm a christian that is not that's not i can't find that in the bible you know, that's not what defines a Christian. I mean, whatsoever, you know. And so, um, you know, the Paul, Paul put it best when he, he said, you know, he said, I become all things to all people, you know, that I may win some, you know. And sometimes you have to become all things to all people, yep. you know, and so you can win people. Yep. Uh, I've had homosexual sin in my church. The sin of homosexuality is, the, is, is, the, is a sin that people struggle with. I have seen people come out of that. When they got radically saved, yeah, you know, and so uh, not to go down that because people like to pick on certain sins. You know, I'm not that person that's ever picked on because the Bible says if you've broke one of the laws, you're going to stand guilty yep. of them all. Well, well, let let's let's hash this out for just a second though, because I, I have this conversation quite regularly with people that are close to me that will challenge me on the issue of sin. And here's the thing: you're exactly right. Uh, God, I think, look, God is totally righteous. He cannot tolerate sin in his presence, right? Which is why we needed a savior. He, he's, God is totally, if you, you can't even imagine something in your own head that's totally perfect to the point that it cannot tolerate anything that's not perfect. It's, that's why Satan was cast out of heaven. A simple sin that we we call now pride. Mm-hmm. So that's simple, right? Well, well, how how can you compare? 
pride, a sin like pride, a sin like uh, uh, coveting uh, money or something. How can you compare those sins with sins like, like you said, people like to pick on sins, homosexuality, alcoholic, drug Adul- addict, adultery, adultery. Like, okay, how, okay. So we we've got these this sin on different tears in our heads when in all reality they're they're all the same to god he can't tolerate any of them in his presence Mm. now look let's hash this out for a minute what is the major issue when we're talking about say this say 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 being an alcoholic or being a homosexual versus say committing adultery on one occasion all right when peter stood up on the day of pentecost after they had all been baptized by the holy spirit and he walks out and everybody thinks he's drunk because they're all speaking in tongues and they're Mm -hmm. proclaiming the gospel in all these different languages the first thing that he says is repent Mm -hmm. and be saved now, if you are living life in perpetual sexual sin or perpetual bondage to alcoholism, right? The Bible calls us to be sober. Mm-hmm. If you're constantly high, all right. If you're living that day in and day out, there is no repentance happening. Here's the difference between the act of a single sin, even if it's murder. All right, so murder. Now, if you go if you go murder someone, and the next day you repent, you receive forgiveness. You're washed whiter than snow. Now, if you get up every day and you continuously murder people every single day. Day after day, there is no repentance. This is what this is the difference here. I, I I don't know. I don't know if you guys even and, understand what I'm trying to tell you here. And, and here's the thing, Chad. That you know, it's like you said, it's living in sin. You know, it's that constant living. And and, and yeah. here's here's what the the Spirit of God was leading me to 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 share with you in the, on that aspect was that. He says, you know, in First John chapter 3, he says in verse 7, he says, Little children, let no man deceive you, okay? He that doeth righteous is righteous, even he is righteous. But verse 8 says, He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever says he is born of God cannot commit sin. And so what people really struggle with, and I have people struggle with this all the time, and say, well, you know, I sin all the time. Yeah, but the thing is, is you constant, you, you understand that you're sinning, and you try to break away from it. You try to, re, like you said, repent. That's a foreign word in churches or in Christian, you know, gatherings, is repent, is turn from. Yeah. You know, we've... And, we have allowed we have allowed a form of religion to to seep into our our relationship with Jesus, and we think, well, if I if I confess my sins and ask for forgiveness, 
I can keep on doing that over and over and over again. You know, it's almost, and I don't want to call out the religion, but it's almost like a form of, it is a form of religion. You just religiously, okay, I can, if I, if I commit adultery, if I, as long as I ask for forgiveness, I can go back and ask for forgiveness again. Uh, I mean, I'll call it out. It's Catholicism, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's okay. it, definitely. And that has seeped into our churches. Yeah. And so I had a guy tell me yesterday, he got on me, which I get persecuted quite a bit, and I'm not bragging. Oh, you know, I used to get so tore up when I get persecuted. I used to get so like, God, am I doing something wrong? You know, what's, and I got to thinking, hey, wait a minute. The disciples got persecuted. Jesus got persecuted. I mean, nobody's going to like what we have to, not everybody's going to like what we have to say. And so this guy just jumped all over me. He said, Christianity is has allowed children to be raped for many, many years. And, you know, and he said, you need to, you know, your doctrine is a doctrine of demons, and y'all have allowed kids to be raped. And I said, hold on a minute now. I said, now, you're not talking to a Catholic, and I'm not trying to be mean. I said, but history shows you that, you know, of, of their issues they've had in the past of all this with ch- children and yeah. stuff. And so I said, I'm not. And so this guy had got me mixed up with someone else or some different different belief that he had issues with. And, and I don't know what the guy – I mean, this guy was hot, and he was mad. I had to – basically, I hate, I hate to say I had to delete him. I had to block him because he was just coming at me with stuff. I'm like, man, I you know, this is from one of my devotions. This is like from one of – when I was, you know, the Psalms – the Psalms 19 devotion that I had done. Yeah. And, man, he was just, he was upset. And more than likely, he had been hurt as as a young person, I, I would figure. I've come to find that out. But the Bible says that if we continue in sin, that we're not his. Yeah. You know, that, we, that we're liars. That we're, you know, and that's what I, I tell people all the time. And, and here's the thing. And here's what we get back to that little judging of sin. Like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not committing adultery. I'm not murdering people. So what? I'm watching porn. So what? I'm taking a drink every now and then. And so what they'll do is, is they'll try to justify their sin by looking at homosexuality and say, well, I'm not a homosexual. You know? Yeah. And they'll bash the homosexuals. I mean, these, these oh, yeah. religious people, man, they will, they will tear them up. But they won't tell you, you know, they won't pull out their closet sins and what they're doing in the dark and throw them out there. Yep. And so that's why I think people, you know, have an issue with sin. And, you know, they say, well, I'm not as bad as most people. Well, not, yeah, not in your eyes, maybe, but in the eyes of a holy God, in the eyes of a God who sees all, and he is, like you said, he is perfect. We can't even wrap our mind around how, how holy and how infinite and how pure he is. And so when we try to put God, he says, listen, he told us in, in the Old Testament, he said, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. And he's, you know, so... We can't even put ourselves on that same level. And so what we'll do is, is try to justify our little sins, you yep. know. And sin destroys. I mean, that's it. I don't care. Sin destroys. I mean, uh, I mean, that's why if you'll do a study, and not like I said, I've got friends who who are homosexual. I've got friends who are, you know, you know that way. And, and so, I've got fam- family members and friends. I love them. I do too. Look, yeah, they're, well, they're welcome in my home at my dinner table anytime. Yes. The, the main the thing is you cannot live a lifestyle of that's a lifestyle of perpetual sin and confusion. Yes. And it's being promoted today because my my seventeen year old who's on fire for Jesus, I've seen a radical change in him. I mean, a radical change. And so he is getting just, and he's not going out there picking on sin. He's not picking on, but he is being hit by, and they'll come to him and say, well, hey, do you think homosexuality is okay? Do you think that, you know, and they're even now saying that Jesus was a homosexual. You know, you've got, you've got a Netflix. Netflix did a, did a TV show about Jesus being a homosexual. And so, um, 
you know, and so my son kind of combating that and saying, no, this is what the scripture says. He is getting, he's getting persecuted like crazy yeah. because people are saying, well, you know, you're, you know, y'all are just full of hate. Y'all are full of, y'all are hate. Y'all listen, I, I learned this a long time ago. My dad used to whoop me and I used to get some beatings and I deserved them. I ain't gonna say that I didn't deserve one whooping. I mean, there's probably a few that my brother should have took for me mm -hmm. that I took for him instead. But, um, you know, every whooping I got, and I didn't understand the concept of love behind the discipline, you know, that God, when he, he loves you, if he loves you, he will discipline you. He will, he will get you in line. He will get you in, you know, cause he knows what's best for you. And so we, we look at it as like God is a killjoy. Like I can't sin anymore, God, you know, because God knows that. Listen, do the research. Homosexual, homosexuals are some of the most depressed people ever. I mean, their suicide rates are super high. It's insane if you do the research. And so, and I've had people that, you know, that said, you know, I'm just, they're not happy because that's not what they were made for, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and then they look at me when I say, Hey, it's wrong. Any sin's wrong. You know? Yeah. And so when I say sin's wrong, when you start dabbling with people's private personal sins, then you'll see who, what they really are about. You'll see what they're really, you know, what they stand for. Yep. Cause they, they listen, you can pick on somebody else's sin, but don't mess with mine. Yep. You know what I mean? And so, because I'm doing good, I'm good right here. And so, <laughs> it's hard, man. It's hard for all of us. I it mean, is, it, yeah. You know, it's it's even hard. It's even hard for me. And you know, you you me and my personal in my personal life. Look, man. Uh, look, I dip snuff. All y'all know I dip snuff. Y'all see me online. If you see me, I more than likely got a, a dip of snuff in my mouth. Now, here's the thing with that. Dipping snuff don't make me drunk. It don't make me high. It changes nothing about my mindset, right? I can sit here and try to justify the fact that I dip snuff all day long, right? And I can make a good argument about it. Here's the basis of it. Does it help my testimony? Not a lick. Does it? It, it does not. I've got things tattooed on me that I could make a case for all day long. Ultimately, actually, I had that conversation the other day with a guy. I said, I got this, you know, tattooed on me. He said, well, do you think something's wrong with that? Right? He wanted to justify mm -hmm. the things that I have done that are wrong. Mm -hmm. And I just have to say, well, does it help my testimony? Does it help me in becoming all things to all people? And, and Negative. That, yeah. You know? And, and so my wife brings, brings this snuff up all the time, man. And she calls me out, son, and it hurts. It, well, and, and <laughs> it listen, hurts, and, you know. And it 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 will hurt when somebody else. And it, it sometimes it, it don't hurt. It makes us mad, you know. We get up like, hey, well, who's who is she to tell me that I can stop that I need to stop dipping snuff? Well, and, and that but, and, and who's to tell the, me it's wrong? Well, here's the thing, though. It, it don't it don't matter who tells you until yeah. the spirit of God tells you that it's wrong. Then, then you'll never change. But he, he's told me. Yeah. He, 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 he really, he, he's convicted me of that. He yeah. answers the question for me when I come to him and I say, is this wrong? And the Holy Spirit says, when you're standing in front of a congregation of people, whether they're believers or whether they're corporate people, and they see this in you. You start packing that snow. Yeah. What, 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 do, what, what do they, whether it affects you, your mind, your relationship with Christ or not, how does it affect 
them. That's it. That's it. And, and it all goes back to being a stumbling block. There you, you know, go. That's the thing. Is it, is it going to be a stumbling block? When a 10-year-old kid looks at Chad Wright and says, that's what Christianity is. You there know, you go. That, it, you know, and later on you find out that 10-year-old kid, not to put any conviction on your brother, but you find out that 10-year-old kid's got cancer. That's right. You know what I mean? And because, I mean, you are a cool guy. I mean, don't get me wrong. You're, I mean, you know, you can get the big head if you want to. It's an option. But you're a cool guy. You know, and I can see where people would look up to you. And that's why God gave you the platform that you have, you know, is because you have that platform to represent Christ. And I can come in here and I could pick on your sin. But here's the thing that even Paul said this. Paul said, don't forget the person you see in the mirror. That's the one that, you know, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't change you. I can't change my, I can't change anybody. You know, and so the only person that I've got to really deal with, first of all and foremost, is that guy that I look in the mirror every day. And that's why I think it was James, not Paul, but James said, you know, don't forget who you who you see in the mirror every day. You know, that's the one that's the only one that I can that's the only one I can deal with. Yeah, but now Stacy, I want you to hold me to a higher standard as a brother in Christ. Yeah, yeah. I want that. You know what I mean? I want you to call me out. I, I, I want you to hit me up a year from now and say, "Where you? We had this conversation, brother. Where you at, man? Yeah, you know. But but that's that's the relationship I like to have with my brothers, man. You and, know. And, and and here's what here's my and here's my rebuttal on that. I hope that's true. You know, because that's I mean I've been there, in which I'm not going to sit here because I mean I want I want a, I want a relationship. You know, I want to be I want to have somebody who says, hey. I don't want to come and bust your chops every day, you know, but you can do that without, you can do, you can, you can help somebody without hurting them. You 100%. know what I mean? You know, and that's, I think a lot of times we, we come into this so, you know, and I could see it in my own life years ago where I was just so fired up and I'd go in and say, Hey, you got to, you know, I'll never forget one of my buddies. He was a part of a, a big denomination here in this church, in this area. Um, his brother was a bartender. And so, and he was at a very, popular bar i think it was either nashville or somewhere but he was there and so he'd sent some of his church boys to go talk to him and they said yeah man we went over there. we told him that he needed to quit smoking he needed to quit drinking quit you know running around with women and all this and and we told him that you know what the bible says about all that and and so the pastor said that one time did you tell him about jesus when when and all that did you tell him that he you know about Jesus? and he's like oh we didn't you know, they were so about, you know, it's almost legalism. You know, they were so legalistic yeah, about, yeah. hey, you got to do this, you yeah. got to do that. You know, and, and I'm telling you, man, once you meet Jesus, you want to give up stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not a burden for me. If God says, hey, Stacy, I need you to give up this, you know, when, here's the thing I've got to ask myself, you know, is it about me or him? You know, when it comes with anything, you know, we're, we're I mean, I'm a man. I mean, I, I like women. You know, I'm not going to lie. You know, I've got to ask myself, you know, is that worth, is that something that he wants? Is that something that I want? You know, is this a selfish thing for me that I'm holding on to? Or is it something that I can release to him because I love him so much that I want to give, I'll give up anything. Mm -hmm. I'll give up this thing. I'll give up snuff. I'll give up alcohol. I'll give up pornography. I'll give up these things. And it won't be something that I'm having, he's having to pull and pry from my hands. You know, it's something I'm willing to say, okay, Lord, if it don't bring you glory, then I don't want nothing to do with it. And that that is that is the essential perspective on this everything that we're talking about. Because as we talk through this topic of sin, judging sin, judging ourselves, trying to stop doing things, 
why are we trying to stop doing these things? Is it because of what Stacy just said? Is it because we are so committed to Christ that we want to glorify him in a more pure way? Or is it because we want to become more self-righteous? I think that's the that's that's the thing, man. That self-righteousness, man, when you start having this sin conversation and you start looking at yourself, why do you want to give these things up, man? That's good. That's and that's that's it. You know, and the thing is too is it's about surrendering, you know, it's not about like you said, I can't do it. I can't give it up, man. I mean, I've tried. Yeah. I've tried to stop things on my own. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and been a complete failure. Then you then you battle that failure. Like, dang, I quit I I quit this six months ago. Why am I doing it again? Yep. You know, I thought I loved him. And then you have the enemy come along who gets in your head, you know, and I know you, I know you're all about soul mind, you know, body, soul and mind and all I mean the whole being. And then the, the devil comes along, the enemy says, Hey, look at you. Look at you, man. I thought you was a follower of Jesus. Well, you're you're a sorry excuse of a follower. I mean, because you gave up that sin a couple of months ago, and here you are back at it like a dog returning to his vomit. Yep. You know, you're back at it again. I thought you loved him. And so it's really, you know, it's it's not doing it, like you said, to to get a religious status. You know, saying, well, I've, you know, look where I'm at. Paul said he never he, he never got to the place where he thought he had arrived, you yep. know. And so it's a, it's an everyday surrender, you know. Well, what what was that text that you sent me? What is that thing that you say about how you're you're just a nobody telling everybody? You, yeah. I mean, years ago, before, like I said, it's it's a very popular Christian song now. I uh, see. I had never heard it before, yeah. but it resonated with me because I think it speaks to this self righteousness aspect. Yeah, it's just, the, and I think that's why you know, and, and I can never understand. I've questioned God why He would use me anyway. You know, and I'm just a, like I said, I've always said this. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who can save anybody. And so, you know, that's always been my heart. And I may, I'm sure I didn't coin that phrase. I think I heard Adrian Rogers say that 20 years ago and it just stuck with me, you know, but I've always just kept that concept is that, you know, I'm just a, who am I? I mean, mm-hmm. without God, who am I? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In the whole concept of everything, me, me and you have seen mass quantities of people. I mean, I've, like I said, I've been in, in stadiums where there's thousands and you know hundreds of thousands of people and, I, and then you get to thinking man and all of that who am i you know that god would use me you know then you get back to that whole like you were saying a while ago that isaiah quote you know here i am god send me who will go for me who will go here i am send me you know if you can use a rock if you can use a if you can use a donkey to speak to a prophet if you can use what it, then you can use me, mm. you know, and that's the whole thing that I've always been, it's always been my heart is that God, you can use me. And if I can speak into the life of whoever, you know what I mean? Because in the whole, the whole big scheme of things, I mean, you know, people are so starstruck today of people, you know, like, Oh, this person, this, whatever, you know, their status, you know, I look at it the way God does. They're all just like, you know, his creation. It's all who he's made, you know? And, and so they all need him. And so I'll, you know, I'll tell anybody and everybody about Christ, you know, because I know they need them. And if you don't like what I've got to say, then, you know, I, it's not me. It's the, what the word of God says. And yep. so, yep. but yeah, it's, and that's, you know, that's what's got me right where I'm at today is just that, you know, and I just want to make him known. Period. Yep. yep. No, that's solid. It, but it, man, you almost as a, as a human, you almost have to constantly be on guard 
against that because that man that can that mind the the mindset can flip very like quiet like indiscreetly right mm-hmm. and then and then you find yourself one day being all about just me chad but who look who look who i am you know what i mean and man i had to go through that like a year ago i didn't even know what instagram was man and you know now going going and traveling all over the u.s and all over the world and talking to people and getting to to share my stories and and this and that i had to go boy that was a process for me I just had to constantly, constantly check myself to stay on ground level and uh, and think about why is this actually happening? How is this actually happening? Because it couldn't have happened if I would have tried to make it happen. Oh yeah, no you know doubt. what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's no uh, it's been it's been wild, man. And now it, and it would easily, you know, with with the the status of seals and you know, which I remember as a kid, man. I mean, I think everybody kind of us, you know, every American boy after watching the movie Navy Seals as a kid wanted to be one, you know. Yeah. I mean, Charlie Sheen and them made it look so cool. And uh but I, I understand that, you know, we see that aspect of that and we don't have a clue what seals go through. You know, I don't have a we can watch every documentary we want to watch about seals, but I don't I don't have a clue what it means to to be a seal or to make up a seal, you know, and so I can see y'all's rock star kind of, I mean, yeah, and it, it is, it's kind of a rock star mentality. Like look yeah. at, I mean, y'all are the rock stars of the military, you know, and society has made you that, you know, they've made y'all, I mean, with Lone Survivor and, and, you know, um, American Sniper, all those movies yeah. and books that's came out I'm thinking, well, yeah, that's, you know, that's cool. Uh, but no offense to you, brother. I, I, you know, you're just a, you're just somebody with a long beard sitting across from That's me it, that man. loves Jesus, you know? Yep. And so if, and I tell some, I tell my brother, I was like, if he thinks I'm going to come in there and like, but you know, and be all like swooey over him, then I was like, I just want a friend, you know, I want somebody that I can, that can, like you said, call me out. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. I need Chad Wright to call me out. Mm-hmm. I need Chad Wright to say, Hey man, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, well, how's your walk going? Yep. And care enough about me. And, and and be real enough to say, hey, dude, I mean, are you living it? Are you okay? A few years ago, my buddy, his son, he was up in North Carolina. His son was dying, 19 years old, two, second year in college. And this kid loved Jesus. I mean, this boy was so on fire for God. And he was over his bed in his dying moment saying to his son, son, I've just got to know how is your relationship with Jesus. And this kid's dying. I mean, he, he died like within an hour after mm. he had to – and he looked at me and said, Daddy, he said, I'm good. I'm good. But he said, I'm, but I'm glad that you care enough to ask me again. You know, and that's it. Care enough to ask people. I mean, how are you doing? You know what I mean? If you go to church on Sunday, good. Go every Sunday. But walk in that church with, a, with the mentality, I'm going to ask everybody in here, how's your walk with God? Because you may, listen, you may find some surprises in church. Then you may walk up to somebody and say, hey, man, how's your, how's your relationship with Jesus? And them look at you and say, I don't have one. Yeah, I'm glad you asked because nobody's ever asked me. No, I've been coming here for 30 years. Nobody's ever asked me about my relationship with Jesus. But thank you. And so you know that's and that's the that's the mentality we've got to have is is that you know God is no respecter of person according to His Word. I mean, we we may like we know people are making fun of you about not knowing Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 you know people like that and that status, but to God they're just people. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just his creation. 
doesn't matter what they have or what they own. I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. Never. Yep. I've been to a lot of funerals. You can't take what you have on this earth with you. But what I can take with me is my friends. I can take my family. I can take my loved ones. I can make sure they're all on board when this ship takes out of here. When this ship leaves, when it leaves mm. the port, I can I can try to fill that thing up with all my family and Come friends. Come on, brother. You know what I'm saying? And yep. so that's uh, – you've been a Navy man. You understand that concept. Well, yeah, man. And, and I, I think that's part of what happens when you – when you come to the realization, look, man, I don't think, I, I, I think that some people may hear this conversation and if they've lasted this long, mm-hmm. I, I imagine they're interested. Look, we actually believe in what we're saying. We actually believe that God came to this earth, lived a perfect life, was crucified, nailed to a cross, that they put him in a tomb, that he was resurrected, and that he ascended and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for us. We actually believe that we are covered by the blood that he shed on the cross. Therefore, we have access to eternal life in his kingdom. Mm. We believe that. We're not just saying this because it sounds good. Or it's cool. When you can believe this, man, it changes what is important to you. Just like Stacy just said, man, what can I take with me? I can try to fill that bus up with as many people as I possibly can. And I can take them with me into eternity. Wow. And that's what it's all about. You know Come on. I mean? That's why we're here. You know, I mean, that's, you know, think about it. Jesus, when he was on this earth, he was one person. And so... When, when, when the devil thought that he had won the ultimate battle, Jesus is on the cross. He's dying. The disciples are fleeing. Mary's there. She's crying. Everybody, everything's, I mean, it's a dark day in history. Matter of fact, it's so dark. We're talking about God not looking on to sin. The Bible says that's the first time where Jesus cries out from the cross, why have you forsaken me? Think about that. He had never been away from the Father. Never. I mean, in all of eternity past, he had been, it's been the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He had never been away from the Father at one time. But God could not look on his own son because his son at that moment was bearing the sins of humanity on that cross. And so he, he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? And so, you know, that's the whole thing is that, that Jesus understood God, listen, when he came to this earth, yeah, it was cool. He was born, miraculously born of a virgin. I believe that. I believe yeah. in that miracle. And it was miraculously, he, he taught some amazing things. He taught some amazing, you know, principles and parables and things like that and life lessons Jesus did while he was, he healed the sick. He raised the dead. I mean, he, you know, he, he caused the blind to see and, he, and, and so on. But the whole reason he came was none of that. The whole reason he came, that the reason that Jesus, we're just, you know, we just got finished celebrating Christmas. The reason that he was wrapped in swaddling clothing, 
lying in a manger. If you'll look up and study swaddling clothing, that it was a death shroud he was, he was wrapped in. I mean, he was born to die. He was born to die for humanity. He was on that cross dying. That was the whole reason he came to this earth, not to perform miracles, even though he did, not to, to teach great things, even though he did. He was born, he, he was born to die. Yeah. And so he just did all that other stuff to convince a few people to keep passing the word after he had completed his mission. <laughs> and that's it. And that's it, Chad. What you just said, when he died, Jesus could only be in one place at one time when he was on this earth. When he died and he says, I'm going to send something, I'm going to send someone else to you. If I got to go, he told us the disciples were distraught. They're like, no, we don't want you to leave. He said, I've got to go. He said, if I don't go, then I can't send the comforter. And he said, and he, man, this is so awesome. This make a Baptist want to shout. He said, you know, he said, I will send the Holy Spirit to live in you. That we're, you know, now I can be everywhere. I can be in China. I can be, I can be, you know, in North Georgia. I mean, Jesus is representing, I mean, think about that. He, you know, he, God ain't a dummy. He knew what he was doing. So now Jesus can be represented everywhere. He's represented right here in your home. He's represented everywhere we go. I mean, before he couldn't be that because he was on this earth walking as a man so when he died, he put, you know, he lives in us. He lives in me and you through the Holy Spirit. So yeah. now Jesus is everywhere. I mean, we can take him anywhere and everywhere. And so that's the whole concept of what God was trying to do when he, when Jesus died. Now that, you know, we can go and represent him, like you said, in, in California or in, in, you know, all across, you know, South America, wherever we're at, you know, we take him with us yeah. and, and he's there. He's there, you know, and so that's, that's, I think that's what, you know, that excites me is that, that God uses everybody. He, he chose earthen vessels to carry the gospel. You know, the first one who ever carried the gospel was Mary. She carried Jesus, you know, and so we are chose to, you know, to carry the gospel everywhere we go. And so to represent him, I always tell people all the time when I had that big beard, I had this little kid, I mean, it was, it was really cool. Uh, this little kid would come in. It was a foster child who did come to our church, and she would walk up to me, and I had this huge beard, and she would look at me because she'd seen pictures of Jesus, and she'd say, Jesus, and she'd point her finger at me, and she'd call me Jesus. And her mom would be like, no, 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 he's not Jesus. He's not Jesus. And and I told her mom one time, I said, look, I'm not Jesus. I'm not going to go that that crazy mm-hmm. route. I said, but I hope she sees Jesus in me. Yeah. I hope everybody that I meet sees him in yeah. me. Because, you know, you can believe the Bible. You know, James said, faith without works is dead. You know, we don't work because we're saved. We work because we've been saved. We go out and do because we've been born again. Because we have been, we've, we've experienced that powerful transformation. We've experienced Jesus Christ. And that's why we go out and do what we do. Because if we if we done it without him, it's just religion. It's just going yeah. out and doing our own thing, you yeah. know. And yeah. So. Well, and, and I, I mean... I want to retract my my per, my previous statement. I don't believe this stuff. I I know that this happened. Yeah, I, because it, you live it. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's not it's something that's real in your life. It really it's you know it's, I mean? it's almost it's almost inexplicable. It's almost I can't even put it to the words. I know that that happened. Yeah. Look, if you want if you want to be able to know. What we're taught, if you want to be able to know that you are saved, washed whiter than snow, mm. ask for it, man. Ask for it. Get on your knees and just ask him, say, 
Jesus, man, I want to know that you, I don't even want to believe this. I want to know it in every fiber of my being to the point that it's irreversible. Ask him for it, man. Here's a crazy story, Chad. You're talking about being a chaplain. I'll never forget. I was in a, in a, in a, ICU room with an elderly lady and her son was in there and she was, she was actively dying, you know, and she said, I've got, I just got to know that I'm saved. And she said, I I don't know that I can know. I said, well, the scripture says that you might know that you know that you're saved in first John, you know, that you can know. And so I said, you know, we got to talking about that. And she said, well, I just need to know before I leave this earth, I want to know that I'm really saved. She said, I think I just got religion. And so I said, well, you can know. I said, you know, and, and the thing is, is, is that people have a, an issue with that because her son stopped me and he said, well, nobody can really know that they're saved, you know, and nobody can really know. I said, I hate to die. I'd hate to leave this earth with a hope so. Well, I hope I get in. Be scary, wouldn't it? It would be because if I'm going on what, you know, what, I, what I've done in my own power, then there's probably a good chance I'm not going to get in, you know, on my good morals. Because Paul said, my, my righteousness is like filthy rags. And listen, I'm not trying to get gross on here, but if you understood what, what you know, he was talking about, he was talking about menstrual rags. Yeah. And, you know, and that's what he was talking about. And so I got in trouble that one time at church. The guy said, I can't believe you said that. And I said, that's what he was talking yeah. about. You know, and, and so, you know, our righteousness is like filthy rags. And so, you know, we we can't do it without him. We need him. And that's that whole transformation. If you want to know that you're saved, here's the, here's, here is the plumb line right here, the word of God. That's the plumb line. You want to know what you're going to be judged on when you get to heaven? I had, another boy, I had a little kid the other day tell me, he's like, don't judge me. I said, I said, listen, you would rather me judge you than you'd have this Bible judge you. And I said, I'm not judging you. I said, but that's the, that's the most popular quoted verse of this time is, uh, you know, do not judge. Yeah. And so, um, and it is so taken out of context. I mean, so taken out of context, because I can judge you. I mean, if you read the scriptures, I can say, hey, Chad, man, there's something wrong. Oh, you yeah. Know? yeah. You're not living right. And mm-hmm. if you get mad, say, well, hey, man, who are you? Don't judge me. You know, I ain't doing that to, to, to make you mad at me. I'm doing that to hopefully point you in the right direction. That's the key is, is the why behind it. Yeah. Is it, is it love behind exactly. it? Exactly. Or is it religion? Yeah. You know, is it for me to point out your sin because, hey, I've got a batter. I've, I'm doing something worse than you're doing. So I want to point yours out That's and it. say, hey, you know, this is it. And so, yeah, and that lady, I said, you can know today. I said, well, don't you want to know? And she's laying there in that, in that bed. She said, I want to know. And so she took me by the hand. By faith, she received Christ that day as her Savior. And I seen Chad, I mean, I'm telling you, you know, people says, well, can you, could you tell? And I'm like, I said, we'll find out about hers when we find out about yours. But I said, that day, I could tell something. She just said, I, I know. She said, I know now more than ever. She said, I didn't know before, but now I know. She said, by faith, I've asked Jesus to save me. And so, um, you know, that, that's the thing. You can know. Look at your life. I tell people, if you don't have an appetite for the things of God, I mean, dead people don't eat. I mean, I've never been to a, to a funeral where, where uh, the guy raised up in the casket says, I want a buffet, you know. Hungry people eat. That was one of the things, Chad, that I've seen in my life, which I'm about my testimony, is I was so hungry for the Word of God. I mean, I couldn't get enough of it. I could not. I would go to bed. My mom, she said, she'd tell me, she said, I'd wake, I'd go up there and you would be asleep with the Bible on your chest. 
you know, because I just could and I, to this day, I can't get enough because this is my nutrition. This is my food. Yeah. This is what I eat. You know, Jesus said, I have food that you know not of. I mean, and this is it. You know, yep. this is the food that I eat. And, and prayer is like breath. I mean, you cut off the air of the oxygen in this room. I don't care how tough you are. I don't care how many ultra marathons you've run. I don't care if you're, you've been through buds or whatever. I turn this air, I turn this oxygen off, you're going to die. Yep. They're not going to stop that. Yep. And that's the same way with, with Christianity and prayer. I mean, people don't realize it's so simple. And we think, well, you know, I've got to do all this stuff. You know, it's a relationship. It's talking to God. Prayer is just simply talking to God. And it's crazy. I've met people in churches who've been in church all their life and says, I don't know how to pray. I'm thinking, dude, it's like talking to God. You're just sitting in the room and say, Jesus is sitting right here at the couch with us, and we're talking to him. Yep. My wife catches me, and she, gets, she says, I think you're going a little crazy. She said, I think you're insane. So what do you mean? She says, who are you talking to down there? I said, Jesus. I said, that's who I was talking to. Mm-hmm. She said, I heard you down in the basement just having a full-blown conversation. I said, yeah, I do it all the time. Me and him talk all the time. You don't talk mm-hmm. to him? She said, yeah, but usually pri- privately. Yeah. And I said, oh, I didn't know. I just talked to him like I'm like he's in the room right here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so that's. Well, I, and, and I'll tell you too, man, you know, the, the the Bible says at one point, says pray without ceasing. Yeah. And yeah. just on the topic of prayer, you know, and, and going back to what we were just talking about, that's what the Bible's talking about when it says, ask and you shall receive, knock and the door shall be open. It's not saying ask for a million dollars and you shall receive. It's saying ask for what we're talking about right here. Ask to know. Mm. Ask him for, for more faith. Ask him for things that are in alignment with what he's given you, the letters he's written you. He's giving you a plumb line, a, 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 a guidebook. Mm. Ask him for things that are in alignment with that, and you shall receive knock. And if you want to know, start knocking, and he will open the door for you. That's what he's talking about, man. Um, and I have people ask me all the time, like, how can I know Jesus more? You know, and I tell people this is a hymn book, not a hymn book like you see in your church, not a, not a H-Y-M-N, but mm-hmm. a hymn, H-I-M. If you want to know more about Jesus, and we've gotten lazy in our society where people don't want to crack this book open. I mean, and, and here's the cool thing. You don't have to know more. Matter of fact, your phone will read it to you. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no excuse why you're not getting in the word of God because it's so easy now. And so, you know, if you want to know more about him, get into his book. I mean, it's the number one seller of all times. It is, he, you know, he's the author of it. People have, you know, they've, they've, they want, they want a love story. Here's the greatest love story of all. Yep. That God loved us. Come on, brother. You know, and so He's wrote this book to us, and we have that. We we are privileged to have the Word of God in, in every home. You know that we can open it up and get into the Word of God. Yep. And know more about Him. Yep. And so I'd have people tell me all these years, like, I want to know Jesus more. I want to know Him more. And they're wanting some kind of, like you said, some kind of aha moment, like some kind of spiritual. And, and that's listen, not the way He works. He's the God of the natural. The yeah. same as the supernatural. Exactly. And, and the thing is, if you want to know him more, do the things that he did. Do the things that he's taught you. Because I'm telling you, you want to see God, go feed a homeless man. You want to see God, go go to the hospital where somebody's dying. You want to see God and be a part of what God's doing, go talk to a sinner about Jesus. Then you'll see God. Yep. You know, and then you will feel his presence. Yep. Then you'll feel his power. Like, we've, like I told you, man, I've, he's in this room. Yep. You know, and you can feel him right here. He's in here. And so it's powerful. 
And so, you know, and, and I tell people, if you want more of him, then you got to, you know, you need there, you need less of you. That's that's played out for me spot on in, in my life, man, because here's the thing. I, I was I was um, I was saved for quite a while before I got out of the teams. And now I'm on this new mission for him. Uh, I legitimately feel like I'm like he sends me on missions. I don't know. I guess that's it's awesome. just my past. You that's know what awesome, I mean? But, but like that's what I consider it. And and I've and I've seen the more the more I say I will go and he sends me and I execute the mission that he sent me on. Like you said, I get to know him better to the mm. point that going back to the prayer, pray without ceasing. I don't know I don't know if you can comprehend this or not but I honestly feel I don't even know if feels the right word for it cuz I I hate to base statements off of feelings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but but I don't know another word to describe it. I am in constant communication with Jesus through the Holy Spirit that is within me. I don't even have to say anything. That's right. Yeah. I don't now I do still pray out loud and and you know pray with people and I think that's a powerful thing. But I don't even have to say anything and it's constant. Mm. I, I understand that completely. You know? And some people won't understand. You're right some folks But that's will new not, for me. That's yeah. new for me, man. Yeah. And some people will not understand that. You know, and and they'll look at you and even in the church ram and the you know they will say that's you're just that's crazy. You know, but that and I that's biblical. You know, I mean, that's not, that's biblical. That's what the scripture teaches us, that we are to pray and be constantly in, in conversation with, with, with Jesus through the Holy Spirit, you know, to the Father, through the Holy Spirit. We've got to be constantly talking to him. And so, I mean, and I get what you're saying. I definitely get what you're saying. And, you know, it's, uh, and that's what bothers me, man, to the core is that when you talk to people who, who proclaim to know him, and don't have that, you know, I've often looked at people like me and you, and I'm not saying that we're special because we're not, but I thought, why ain't they getting it? Why ain't this person? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, and and here's the sad thing. The church is full of people who don't. They'll look at you like you're crazy. And they're like, you know, and I've been, like I said, I've been run out of churches because and just preaching a simple gospel. You know, one of my friends told me, he's like, man, you need to write a book. He said, because you've, the things you've been through, since you've, you know, surrendered to Jesus has been insane, you know, and, and, you know, it's just, and so, but I thought, well, that's what, you know, I wanted to be what these guys were. I wanted to do what they were doing, you know, because this is what, I mean, you look at the disciples, I mean, every one of them died for Jesus. They didn't have to, but they, that's, you know, they died for him. He didn't tell them to, you know, he didn't see, he told Peter, he said, you know, he said, you, you basically going to have to, you know, go the way I went. Yeah. And so, um, you know, Paul, Paul was beheaded. You know, you think of all the, you know, if you read the book of the, the Fox's book of martyrs, I mean, almost everybody after Jesus and the disciples were martyred for their faith, you know, and I think, and that's another reason why I ask people who are skeptical, why would those people die? You know, they wouldn't, they didn't have to, if they didn't really believe, you know, like the jihadists, if they didn't really believe in, in what, you know, then why would they burn at the stake or be torn apart by animals, wild mm-hmm. animals, you mm-hmm. know? It, it, because they would not renounce Christ, they would not go back. I'm not. I'm not going to renounce them. And so, you know, there's got to be something behind it. You know, and and so I encourage people. You know, that whole. We I think we started this segment with the whole stolen valor yeah. kind of thing. You know, and and 
and make sure what you have is real, you know, and, and, and once again, the question is probably posed, well, how do I know what I have is real? I mean, look at the scriptures, look at the word of God. Don't go on what somebody told you because people with good intentions will lead you down the wrong path. Yep. You know, I've seen people say, well, you know, you're fine. You're okay. Remember when you pray, remember when you asked Jesus saving you when you were six and they're like, no, I don't remember that. I think, listen, I believe with all my heart, if you meet the God of the universe, you're going to remember that. You know, it's like walking out here on this interstate 27, stepping out in front of a logging truck and getting hit by it and it doing 80. You're going to, hey, listen, either you're going to be dead or you're going you're gonna to be transformed somehow. You know, so how can you tell me that you've met the God of the universe and he lives in you, but nothing's changed. I, I remember. I remember that day. For I, I'm never. It's the basis of my entire story that I tell to anybody who interviews me. Yeah, yeah. you're exactly right, man. Yeah. yeah, you're not gonna forget that. And let let me let me just hit something real quick, Stacy. Stacy just talked about how, well, you know, you you talk about the disciples of Christ died for Christ because they believed because they knew. Right, they had seen him. As a matter of fact, most of them had seen him resurrected. Mm-hmm. Right, and uh, and so they knew. Now, the 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 is the Islamist, the the Muslim extremist. They can also die for their God. Right. So so look, here's something me and Stacy talked about earlier. Do you realize that Islam is just Satan's spin on Christianity? Mm-hmm. Do you understand that? Islamic people, the spirits that they worship, that they pray to, that speak to them, that lead them to death for self-righteous reasons, that those spirits are real. Mm -hmm. Those spirits are just as real as the God that we worshiped or the God that we worship. The difference is the God that we worship is the creator and he is totally righteous and perfect, right? Yeah. It's not that the gods of Islam are not real. God, I say gods, call it what you want, spirits, whatever. Those are those are real things, and they can they can lead people to death, legitimate death, because the followers of Islam believe in that just as strong as we believe in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But make sure you're believing. Well, in the right God, man. Exactly. And here's the difference between the jihadist and us is that the jihadists believe by their teaching that they will obtain certain certain rewards, you know, if they do this extreme act of violence, you know, and they're doing it as an extreme act of violence. They're not doing it, you know, I don't know that anybody that was martyred for Jesus, you know, killed hundreds of people with them as they were going down. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so... Uh, and that's a whole different look at it. You know what I mean? That's, that's, yeah, the extreme, that's a whole nother yeah, perspective. That's the, whole, yeah. that's the whole extreme of it is that we can, you know, we say, well, we can compare that to this and compare that. You can't because, like I said, they are teaching a demonic thing that, okay, if I do this, then I will, I will get to go into some kind of paradise, you know, and I'll get all these virgins and I'll get all this stuff, and which is just crazy to me anyway to think about, you know, even wanting virgins in heaven, okay? So that's just a whole nother being the man part of me thinking, okay, I'm getting virgin. So what, what is their heaven going to be like? Is it going to be a, you know, just a big sexual party, yeah. you know, or yeah. whatever. So, you know, but, and, and, and so people, I don't want anybody listening to us to get those two even closely remotely 
tied together. You know, when a martyr dies for Jesus, he's not, he's doing it because his love for Jesus, he's doing it because he will not give in to whatever teachings or whatever idols or whatever things being pushed. You know, it's like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego where, you know, those three boys would not bend or bow to anything the king had said. And so the king had, you know, Nebuchadnezzar had the fire, the fiery furnace heated 10 times more. So much so that the guards that were taking these boys up to throw them into the furnace burn up. Yeah. I mean, to me, man, it's like Peter, when he cut the ear off that soldier, yeah. that'd have been it. If I was that soldier, I'd been like, hey, hold on a minute. He put my ear back on. Jesus put my ear back on. He's got, I'm, I'm not, I don't need yeah. any more evidence. So when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these martyrs for God, walk to the top of this furnace, look at each other and say, hey, let's just jump in. I mean, that's kamikaze. You know what I mean? Let's show them that our God is who God is. And here's the thing. They jump in. King Nebuchadnezzar looks in there and says, hey, I thought we just threw three guys in. Why is there four? One of them looks like the son of God. You know, so he's in that fire with them. And that's the same thing with that, the, whole, the whole concept of martyrdom. You know, just being martyred is that, you know, I don't have to die for Jesus. He don't require me to. He don't say, hey, go out and, you know, if you're going to obtain heaven, you got to die for me. You know, but he does tell me that I have to die daily, and it's a spiritual thing. He didn't tell me to go out and blow up people or do something crazy like burn a building down with all of us in it, you know, and yep. stuff like that. So uh, I don't want people to get those tied together. Yeah, I just wanted to clear that easy. up. Yeah, it'd for, be easy to get that tied yeah. together. So, well, okay, well. Because, I mean, a lot of people that listen to, to the 3 of 7 podcast aren't Christian. I mean, they're they're athletes, they're business owners, they're um whatever from all walks of life. I yeah. mean, we have oh, yeah. we literally have people that listen to this podcast from dang near every nation on earth that's awesome i'm talking about like places you ain't never even heard of man that's crazy. Like, i can track it online it's crazy man yeah, that's so awesome. you know yeah i just wanted to clear that up look guys uh i wanted to talk to stacy about fitness about hunting about training dogs about all this other stuff but i think we're at we're over two hours now. Oh wow! Um, so we're we're gonna we're gonna leave y'all at least for this go. Maybe we, we can come back for a part two. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll we'll talk come about hunting. We'll and, come and back with a dogs. part two where we, we'll talk about. But but you know, I, I mean, this was a a very in depth conversation on faith, on the gospel, on the issues that uh, we 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 face right now, especially as the body of Christ. Um, defining terms such as evangelism and testimony and and you know all that stuff i think that it's a it's a it's a lot a lot of really great perspective and stacy you you have a very a very special gift uh of being able to articulate these things to people i tend to just get loud and just kind of proclaim and what do they call it exhort Right, and and you have a very special gift to be able to articulate those things, brother. Well, I, you know, you're a lot like John the Baptist. I think you know, it's, if I could, if I could pinpoint you with anybody in the Bible, you're you're a voice crying in the wilderness. You know, yeah. And so that's you know, that's what you do with your ultra, mar- you know, your ultra run, you know, marathons and stuff that you do. The running, you know, you're a man crying in the wilderness. You know, and and uh, Looking at your pictures on Instagram, people probably say, "Oh yeah, I can see that." You know, here's a guy if he if he's eating wild locusts and you know dressed in camel's hair, then then we'd see it. But you know, you are you're a you're a proclaimer of Christ. You know, and that's that's an awesome thing. And you're using the platform that God's given you 
And so I, I just want to say this as we close this segment out, I am honored to be here. I mean, I, I don't want that to be ever taken you know, for granted. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast that I can, that I can share Jesus with, like you said, all these different people, you know, and, yeah. and talk about real things, be real. That's what people want to see. They want to see, yeah, he is a duck hunter. Yeah. He is a ultra, you know, marathon runner, whatever ultra runner. They, they want to see that. They yep. want to see that we're real people. Hey, that a Navy SEAL, I mean, the guy that's, that's been through that can actually follow Jesus, you know? And so that people, and that's what I tell people. This be, that's why my, I think that's why the, uh, the devotions have been so popular. Yeah. It's because I'm in a real setting, you know, talking to real people about real matters in life. You know, and and I think that's why it's been so such a big hit. Yeah. You know, so and articulated uh, in ways that that are not. You don't have to be a freaking philosopher to understand yeah, or a what you're saying. You don't have to be yeah. a theologian. That's what a kid told me the other day. He said, "Man, you." He said, "You explain it so easy that that it, that I understand it." He said, yeah. "I've never been able to understand." He said, "But you've made it so plain that I understand this." And so that's what it's all about. You know, yeah. is putting it on the putting it on the low the lower shelf that that the most, you know, simplest of intellectual people can can grasp it, but also putting it up there on the top shelf for, you know, the theologians and the super intellectual people can reach up there and grab it and say, okay, um, yep. you know, and, and just being that right there for people to understand it. So, yeah. Well, Stacy, uh, for people that want to, that want to view your devotionals, that want to be a part of your mission, that want to follow you, man, uh, where can, where can they find you, man? Uh, I'm on all the social media, you know, I'm on Facebook, I'm on um, Instagram. I've just now got on TikTok, which is really blowed up. And TikTok is, I mean, I've got, uh, and I'm not, I hate numbers. I'm kind of like Jace Robertson when it comes to numbers. I'm not bragging, but it just went insane. I mean, it's really went insane how many followers I have on there. But, um, so I own all those. Pastor Stacy or Pastor S, you know, you just look for that and, and, um, that's how you can you can follow me. And here's the here's the whole reason. Here's the thing. I realize it's kind of like the Holy Spirit. If you follow me and if I tag you in something, everybody on your feed can see that. Everybody, you know, everybody that you are attached to can hear what I've, you know, the gospel can hear that. And that's the whole reason I want followers. I don't I'm not trying to be popular. Not wanna, I don't want to win a popularity contest. I just want the gospel to get out to everybody. Yeah. Everywhere. You know, and so you don't have to follow me. You don't I mean I'm not, you know, if you don't want to, that's cool, you know. So I just want the gospel to get out. I want to give people hope in a time where it seems like there is no hope, you know, in our in our society. And so I wanted to share that hope, you know, and the hope that I have um, is in Christ alone. Yeah, so. and and changing that delivery, man. We yeah. talked about that, and and using using those tools to deliver that, man. So. Yeah. Uh, that's perfect. I will attach uh, Stacy's Instagram handle and Facebook and all that stuff in the show notes of this episode. I will suggest that you go and follow him uh, immediately after listening to this episode um, and shoot him a message and just let him know how much you appreciated his time today for him pouring in to us and, again, really bringing a fresh perspective, um, articulating things in, in very – digestible ways it was it was just a very powerful show uh would you mind praying for us stacy before no, we I, get off of here bro i don't mind at all and i want to say you know of all the people you could have had on here like i said of, of of your of your status i am humbled of all the people that you could have had on this on this podcast or any podcast uh, i mean 
you know, I'm, I'm very humble. Thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you brother. Thank, thank you, you for having me. Listen, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for who you are. God, we know that you are, you're the creator. God, you have purposed everything. God, that you have put people in our lives. I thank you, Father, for each and every one that you have placed in our lives. We know that the people who are listening to this podcast today, God, uh, we know that you have a divine appointment for that. And we just, I thank you, Lord. I praise you for my friend, Chad. I thank you for my brother in Christ. God, his testimony, his story, God, how it has impacted my life. And I know it's going to impact others. God, I pray that you'd bless all that he does, bless his platforms, everything that he does. Lord, I pray that he will be like the apostle Paul standing before Kings and before, uh, leaders and saying, let me just say one thing before I get started how Jesus changed me. God, I pray that you would just be with him and his wife. God bless this ministry. Bless their their what they're doing with three of seven. God, I pray for that. I pray for all those. If there's one out there today, Lord, who's never been radically born again, never been saved, I pray today would be that day. God, that you would show them their need for a Savior. God, that they would repent of their sin and turn to Jesus before it's everlasting too late. God, it's it's eternity's way too long to be wrong. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help them. Thank you for this opportunity again. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Thank you, Jesus, for the promise that we have of, of heaven. And, God, we just ask all these things in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Stacy. Thank you, brother. Guys, this is the 3 of 7 podcast. Enough said. <laughs>